I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Safety is first. So we don't want to get a bad reputation. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, uh, where our main release review will be uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Before that, we have got plenty, though, including uh, Oscar nomination news. I am Steve Norman, and I'm joined by James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Uh, we'll be kicking off, though, with the quiz, where the score is, I believe, 1-0 to James. Yeah, uh, going there early. And, they, and they are both yet to watch Cutthroat Island. But by the time I my turn as Quizmaster has finished, they will have got it. We promise. We yes. will have done it. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Uh, so for <laughs> this for this person from film history, we're starting off with their film debut in 1986 in a film called For Love Alone. Hmm. Never even heard of that. There you go. I'm going to skip forward nine years to 1995 and Tank Girl. Just, just, just teasing you in here. Just teasing you in. 1996, Children of the Corn Four: The Gathering. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that sounds. James. It's um, James. uh, Ice Cube. No, it is not Ice Cube. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think he's in Tank Girl. That's all. I'm saying. Uh, he may I be in Tank, Tank Girl. Girl. Yeah. I've never uh, seen. In 1998, they were credited as additional voices in Babe, Pig in the City. Wow. My, this is my least, a hell of a CV. my least favourite of the Babe films, I must admit. I've only seen two. I'm assuming. <laughs> I think there are only two. <laughs> right, okay. It's really dark, actually. It's a Bloody dark film, the second one. I can't remember it, to be honest. And it's very, very, very depressing. 1999, Strange Planet. Jesus. Jesus, yeah. It starts getting better from now, trust me. Okay. Two, okay. 2003, I'm leaving out some of the big hitters as well. 2003, mm-hmm. Ned Kelly. James. Yes, James. Is it Guy Pearce? This is not Guy Pearce. Oh, I thought you were going to say it is Guy Pearce. <laughs> I thought I had scored. I was wrong. I was wrong. 2004, two films for 2004, The Assassination of Richard Nixon and I Heart Huckabees. Oh, God. 
This is, a, is it, just give us a clue. Is it an actor or an actress? <laughs> it, it, is, it is an act, actor or actress. Yes, you're correct. Oh. <laughs> it is not a director or producer or someone in the background. <laughs> James, is it Tony Collette? No, it is not Tony Collette. Going through. I can't even two, make a guess at any of these films. Yeah. Another another two films from 2005, uh, The Ring 2 and King Kong. James. Yes, James. <laughs> oh, I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> it is Naomi Watts. I was going through every single Antipodean actress I could think of. Got there in the end. There we go. Two nil. I can't believe she's Tank Girl. Wow. Tank Girl. Two nil to James. Oh, and you needed to get that because we might have we, we're not going to have a lot of time to watch Cutthroat Island. In this <laughs> she she played Jet Girl in, in Tank Girl, uh, not the title role. Um, that, <laughs> that, Thanks for clearing that, that one. Up. That that was Laurie Petty who played the title role. Of course, it wasn't. It yeah. was not Ice Cube who was in Tank Girl, but Ice T. Oh, the oh, it's the rappers with the yeah, that ice name. Naomi Watson, because I always thought she was like quite young but if she was in a film in what was it 1986 she was born in 1968 wow really blimey 11 years older than me that makes that ancient that's according to (laughs) that's according to wikipedia which could be wrong yeah makes her 45 looks good yeah there we are uh so that that's the quiz and james is tuning up Uh, so it could all be over for owen next week Unless, unless, I, unless I pick an obscure actor from a zombie film or John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, uh, Willie. Yes. <laughs> no, no, probably not. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the news now. And the biggest news, of course, is the Oscar nominations for 2014 have been released. Yes, um, they were released a few days after the Golden Globes Awards. I think they were released the day kind of after we'd recorded our last podcast. So it might seem a little bit like old news, but I think it's worth having another look at that. Um, Starting off with the people who did well uh, and the films who did well. Well, Best Picture is a bit weird these days because there's nine nominees. So obviously all of those did well. And I I don't think there's any big (laughs) film that's out on Best Picture that we were expecting. Anyone? Not that I can think of, anyway. But certainly not after the Golden Globes and everything mm. like that. So came into Best Actor, um, Christian Bale, Bruce Dern, Leonardo DiCaprio, which I think was <coughs> a bit of a surprise, but I'm, spoiler alert, quite happy with that. Um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave and Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, who also in the last week picked up the Screen Actors Guild uh, Best Actor Award as well. So he's picked up Golden Globe and the SAG as well leading into this. And he's got to be looking like... Mm. Well, it's between him and Chiwetel, isn't it, I think? Yeah. I really, I mean, like, again, going back to the spoiler alert, you know, I really hope it's DiCaprio's year because I think he was brilliant in Wolf of Wall Street. But he, McConaughey's got a, a massive amount of men, momentum behind him at the minute. So yeah. that kind of... Swung... Big competition this year for him with, with McConaughey and Edge of Four. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a real bad, and you know Christian Bale um isn't gonna win, uh but he yeah you know, I'm glad he got a nomination, and then you've got Bruce Dern in Nebraska, and that's a fantastic performance as well. So it's a really really strong group. I will say I'm not gonna review it now. I have seen Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. I saw that this week. Our review will be out in a couple of weeks' time when we've all had a chance to see it. But I, all I will say is that. 
yeah, he deserves all the hype he's getting at the moment. It's an incredible performance, and I can see why he's picking up these I'm, awards. I'm there. sure so, we'll come on to that more when we review Dallas Buyers Club. But mm. do you think what? Why has he started to make good films rather than just shit rom coms and Rain of Fire? Yeah, I know, and and that Sahara, that was a terrible yeah. film as well. Was that with, that um, was with one of the Quades, wasn't it? Yes, Dennis, I believe, not Randy. <laughs> I believe it was a Dennis Quaid <laughs> film. Um, I, yeah, I've I've no idea um, how or why he started picking up. He just decided to get some interesting roles, but he either he changed agents or he felt he was rich enough and he wanted to do some interest because most of these films that he's been doing recently have been quite low budget indie films mm. um like his yeah dallas buyers club's not a not a big film in terms of its budget uh you've got films like killer joe again very very small budget film um link uh the lincoln lawyer was pretty small budget he's not really been in a in a blockbuster, even Wolf of Wall Street wasn't actually a huge budgeted film. And it, it wasn't um, like he had a, a massive role. He was only in it for five no, minutes not got, or so. Yeah, he's not got a massive role in that. <laughs> but Mud, very low budget. Bernie, Richard Linklater film, very low budget. He's, he's chosen some interesting projects finally. And it's paying off because he's really, he's a very charismatic man when he gets the opportunity to do it with a proper script and with an interesting character. The only kind of criticism i could lay at him at the moment because uh, my personal belief is he is the most consistently brilliant actor currently working in hollywood i can't i think about nine nine films nine performances i've seen in the last two or three years and every single one of them has been brilliant in very good films generally as well um the only thing i would say is he's got the same accent in every film <laughs> and um but in a way you, do you know what if if you don't need to if maybe he just can't do accents and he's just sticking with what he knows accents isn't acting is it that's you know it's a skill but he's putting in brilliant performances with that texas drawl so uh no there's that and um i've not seen it yet but he's also in true detective isn't he with woody harrelson the new hbo tv series which is it's follow again it's more actors going into tv my understanding is each season um, is about a criminal is about one single it's about a single criminal case over decades but each season has different detectives picking up the case um, so it's a very interesting mm. sounding concept and I've heard very good things about it as well um, so yeah McConaughey doing brilliant and as someone you know we obviously can't claim credit for this I just love the term the McConaissance um, <laughs> and did you make yeah, that up I didn't know I wish I could claim credit for it even Matthew McConaughey spoken about it on the Mark Commode uh podcast when he was interviewed he really likes the term as well it's a great term and it is just this idea that he went from from rom-coms where the poster was him leaning on another woman every single time to these films i it's different in a way i kind of hope he wins the oscar a because his dallas buyers club performance is incredible and b because i think it would actually uh it would send out a really good signal to say you know if an if as an actor you decide to challenge yourself and take these interesting roles You'll get rewarded for it. Um, did, did, he, so, did he explain in that interview why he's changed, or did he not just he just said I've changed? Did he not say he, why? He, he 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 couldn't really put a finger on it himself. Um, I think part of it being he doesn't want to slag off the work that he did before, or, or, you know, or, the, or go, the people, or the people know, he worked with, probably. or the people he worked mm. with. Exactly, he doesn't want to go. I can't believe I made those films with J Lo and Kate Hudson. Sarah Jessica okay. Parker. And exactly. Um, I, Randy so he's Quaid's not going to slag that time off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the lesser known Quaid. Yeah. In Steve's world, the lesser yeah. known Quaid. Um, 
So I think he's I think he's reluctant, which is quite professional, to be honest, not to go. Oh, I was making a load of shit for years. Um, which is what Danny Dyer did recently, which is quite funny. Mm. Um, but, he, but he's great in East End as he suits that role to a T. Exactly. So that maybe we've got the the Danny Dyersons coming up soon, or something like that. Maybe he's going to start doing some really interesting going to pop up in the corridor of praise, right. is he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if Danny Dyer ever wins an Oscar, mm-hmm. I will donate a thousand pound to charity. Challenge set. Go on, Danny Dyer. Prove us wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Danny Dyer. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think he's got to a stage in his life where he's just decided to ease off and have some fun with his roles, and it's really worked out for him. So yeah, best best actor looks. Yeah, it's a great it's a great selection of candidates, isn't it? Um, and the same with best actress, although it's difficult to see beyond Kate Blanchett winning, and she's what is she nine to one on or something like that. Mm. Really difficult to see beyond her. But yeah, again, you look at the caliber of actresses we've got there sandra bullock for gravity judy dench for philomena meryl street for august osage county and amy adams for american hustle so you know and for me it's really good to see philomena picking up a few noms because i really enjoyed that film. i know you did as well didn't you Owen? oh yeah i think it's brilliant i'm really glad as well um oh. although I, I i wasn't that sure about whether judy dench would get nominated for an oscar or not but I mean, yeah, I'm pleased that she that she's been nominated. Yeah. I don't think she'll win, but you know. No, she won't win. It's been it's got a best picture nomination as well, which is really good. In, for, in, a, in yeah. a way, with the, with the actresses in a leading role, is it mm-hmm. is it more of a case of their obviously the the ones who are in there? I've only seen a couple of the films that you know have got a nomination. Mm-hmm. But is it is it not a case of there not being that many films with good or great female performances or roles this year? Why does it, you know? Um, I don't know because I've seen four of them. I haven't seen Meryl Streep mm. yet, and obviously oh, she's Meryl Streep, yeah. so it's, you know, it's, yeah, she's kind of gets a nomination yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the other, but four, she is brilliant. So yeah, I, I really like Meryl Streep. I know she gets yeah. a bit of a kick in and in sort of recent years, but I still think yeah. she's brilliant. Um, but you know, the other four, I, I, I think we're really good actually. Um, that that. Yeah, in other years they'd be Oscar nominated. Yeah. I, I honestly think all four of them. Also, um, Emma Thompson missed out for Saving Mr. Banks, and I think that was a great performance as well. Um, uh, Adele Alexa-Chopoulos for Blue is the Warmest Colour. Uh, the film itself wasn't um, eligible for these awards because it was released too late for the Best Foreign Language, but she was eligible for Best Actress, and she could easily have got how do, how uh, does that, a nomination. How does that, that. work? Oh God, the best foreign language rules are fucking ridiculous, to be honest. Um, that it needs to be released in the United States, I believe, or some, home or, country, or its I home country. It needs to be released in its home country before the 30th of September for some reason. So how? Um, so I, I give up. I just don't yeah, understand so why. Why, 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 you're, why you're allowed in one one lot and not another? It's, um, yeah, best foreign language because they have to whittle, because they've got a huge long whittling down process and they've got a long list. They need a longer period of time to work that down. Plus, each country each country submits its own uh, best film and then they choose out of the best one from each country. So France, the French account, the French equivalent of the Academy. So in the UK, it's the BAFTAs, but the French equivalent of that chooses their nomination and then the oscars take all of those and then pick out their best ones obviously because that that whole period takes ages they have to have an earlier cutoff time which is why the hunt has been nominated this year despite the fact that it was in last year's bafta awards 
And despite the fact that I saw it about 15 months ago, and not at a special festival, just in the cinema, um, but because it was after September last... Oh, it's nonsense. Um, but Best Actresses can be released any time up until, I think it's Christmas Eve or something like that. It's something, yeah. you know, it's so, so that's why. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think, again, it's a really strong group. And and again, I think all the acting ones are, are really good this year. Actor in a supporting role. I've still not seen Captain Phillips. I'm going to before I, the Oscars. I think, but... think Barkard Abbey, who, who is, mm. is nominated from that, probably stole the show. I think Owen probably mm. agrees with me on that. Mm. He, he, even though Tom Hanks was good in it, he was better. Yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm really pleased he's been nominated just because I think that shows, yeah, it's nice to see an unknown actor get that, that opportunity. And I've heard very, very good things about him. But you've also got uh, Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave, who's fantastic in that film. Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club, who is absolutely phenomenal in that. Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street. I, I bloody love Jonah Hill. Again, spoiler alert, I really enjoyed Jonah Hill's performance in The Wolf of well, Wall well, Street. Well, like McConaughey, he's even though Jonah Hill's probably done it kind of since he got into film, mm. he's he's challenging himself with roles. Where yeah. he started off in comedy, I mean, made his breakthrough in Superbad, really. Yeah. And he's known for comedies more than anything. Mm. He's, you know, with Moneyball and Wolf of Wall Street, he's really kind of... Definitely. ...taking on a challenge, rather than just going, right, I could I could stick to comedies like Superbad and 21 Jump Street and The Watch and that, things like that, and just plod along, make quite a lot of money, impress people, but just quite you know steady but no he's, he's going and you know really mm. trying to challenge himself yeah and doing well yeah exactly so that uh, you know and for him to get an oscar nomination for that absolutely fantastic and then actress in the supporting role sally hawkins in blue jasmine kind of really in Kate blanchett's uh shadow both in the film you know her character mm-hmm. uh but also ever all the talk has been about blanchett but she's really really good in blue jasmine jennifer lawrence steals every scene she's in in american hustle um julia roberts again not seen that but um uh in august osage county but uh, you know again julia roberts it's julia roberts yeah julia roberts mm-hmm. um june squibb is absolutely fantastic in nebraska and again another unknown actor um who who stole a load of their scenes? Uh, Lupita Ungongo from um sorry uh, Lupita Ungo uh, I believe it is uh, from Twelve Years a Slave. So uh, yeah, really really strong strong categories this year. It's going to be very difficult when we do our predictions. I think mm. this year. I think it's going to be very very difficult. Uh, I, I can't see Owen getting. I, full, I don't think I'm going to walk it this time. Lockdown, no. <laughs> um, and even going into animated films, um, we've got Frozen. Uh, Despicable Me Too, um, which both heard. I've seen Frozen, loved it. Um, Jerry loved Despicable mm. Me Too. Um, the Wind Rises, uh, Miyazaki's last film, which again I've heard really good things. There's a real battle going on there as well. Um, director, you've got David O. Russell, Alfonso Cuaron, Alexander Payne, Steve McQueen, Martin Scorsese. This, I think this has got the makings of a, a really, really good Oscars. And if it's anything like the Globes, I think I don't think there'll be a single film that dominates it. Although interestingly, um, American Hustle has got nominations in all four acting categories the year after David O. Russell did the same thing with Silver Linings Playbook. And before his two films there, you've got to go back to the early 80s before a film got Best Actor, Best Actress, um, and then Best Supporting for each one. Uh, and I think it goes back to 1930-something when a film won all, won all of those. But... 
Uh, he's clearly doing something right with his actors. And then in documentary feature, you've got the act of killing. Um, and also 20 feet from stardom, uh, which is playing at Glasgow Film Fest, which uh, I'll talk about in a second as well. But what I will say, uh, just yeah, we talked about everyone doing well, great Oscars. There are a few people who did miss out, uh, a few films that did miss out, which I was really surprised about. First one being Blackfish, not making Best Documentary. Bit of a shock for me. Um, and then in Best Actor, well, we've talked about how how kind of uh, competitive it is there, but I was very surprised Tom Hanks. I know, Owen, you're not surprised in a in sense of... Um, his actual performance, but you were you still a bit surprised that he didn't get a nomination? I know you're not the biggest fan of his performance in Captain Phillips. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. It, it's not that I'm not a big fan. It's not fan. a bad one. It's, a, it's yeah. a good performance, but it is just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks. And the last 10 minutes of the film is kind of overrated a little bit um, mm-hmm. because it's just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks, doing the thing that Tom Hanks always does in every Tom Hanks film. But yeah, yeah it is a bit of a surprise that he's not being nominated in but you look at the the competition and actually if you sort of take into account it probably isn't that big of a shock the only one uh who's a shock who's in actor in a leading role would probably be christian bale who i, I did end up seeing american hustle um and i thought he was good he was a bit robert de niro-esque in it but yeah possibly bale out hanks in wouldn't have been too much of a shock but you know I'm not too too fussed really. I think I don't think Tanks would have got anywhere near winning anyway. No, I think I think probably out of that lot he, he's one of the weakest, which isn't really a criticism. I mean, you must have done something right to get nominated in the first place, but yeah, he's I, he's he'd probably if 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 they if you're going to do a list, he'd probably come bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, it was like as we talked about on the. Um, the, the Fail Critics Awards podcast, I think Jerry admitted as much that it was given mainly as a, you know, we gave him the best performance award as a, you did well in Captain Phillips, you did well in Cloud Atlas, and you did well in Saving Mr. Banks. So it was an accumulation of those performances rather than just one particular one. So maybe it's not too big of a shock. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I was a bit disappointed by, because I, I genuinely thought he had a, a chance of getting a bit of Academy recognition, was Robert Redford in All Is All Is Lost. He did pick up a Golden Globe nomination for that. There's been a lot of buzz around him, but he he didn't get that, which also wiped out one of my bets as well <laughs> which already before it even happened. Mm. So that was kind of annoying. But uh, Daniel Brühl no, as it, well missing out was. Yes, that that was quite. A, yeah, I, I had hopes that he'd pick up a, despite the fact that. Everyone kept putting him forward for supporting actor, mm. which is weird because in my he's the lead in that film, in my opinion. But obviously, in a few other award ceremonies, it, that was maybe seen as his best chance of winning an award. You know, kind yeah. of getting the supporting one because it's usually a little bit easier or something like that. But uh, no, that was a a bit of a surprise, and I wasn't surprised after what has already happened in the award ceremonies to see that Idris Elba didn't get one for Mandela. Um, but a few months ago, I, I think we would have been quite shocked about that. Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am a little bit shocked. I, I think it's a bit of a shame as well because he he was brilliant, I thought. Mm. He was really good, not just because it's Mandela the, who he's playing, but because, you know, he, he put in an actually Oscar-nominated worthy performance, if you like. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, it's hard to argue. It's hard, yeah, that's right. 
Um, and then just very, very quickly, just a uh, foreign language film. Um, I think the two big ones that we're looking at really are The Great Beauty from Italy, which again, I've heard really good things about and I want to try and watch before the ceremony. And The Hunt from Denmark, which I'm a big fan of. Um, you've seen it, haven't you, Owen? Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, The Hunt's the one I'm cheering on because it's the only one of the five I've seen. But I did genuinely really enjoy it as well. It was one of my favourite films from the last not last year, the year before. Yeah. So, uh, but there's a film so, from Palestine been nominated, doesn't there? Yes, yeah, a film from Palestine and a film from Cambodia as well. Yeah. So it's, um, it's quite uh, open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and I think I believe the film from Cambodia, um, our man uh, uh, Liam Pennington has at least seen the trailer for that one because he mentioned it in his. Mm, he did. Right, he picked that one out before the shortlist was there. He picked that one out from his long list. Yeah. He said it would be an interesting double bill with the act of killing. So. Uh, yeah, it sounds quite a depressing um, film in that case. <laughs> Shall we uh, move on from the Oscar chat yes. now, or else we'll be here all night? And <laughs> yes. uh, go on to James is telling us what's going on with him at Glasgow Film Festival, which we've been invited yes. to once again. This very evening, the film programme for Glasgow Film Festival was released. Um, we've got the its opening with the Gala UK premiere of Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm very disappointed I won't be able, I'm not in Glasgow in time to catch that. And I also leave Glasgow just before the closing gala of um, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin starring Scarlett Johansson, which I'm very excited about as well. So I'm a bit disappointed I'm missing those two films. However, um, I picked out five that I, I'm immediately going to sort out tickets to because uh, I've already got myself a little early bird. I'm buying some tickets as well uh, while I'm up there because um, I want to make sure I get these. So uh, the five films that I've picked out really instantly from reading the press release uh tonight is uh the zero theorem the new film from uh terry gilliam starring christopher Voltz. uh sci-fi film quite excited about that the double richard is it aod i'm always doing this him from the yeah iowardi <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, the double starring uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, so excited about that one. Mood Indigo, which is the new Michelle Gondry film starring Audrey Tateau. I'm in love there already. 20 Feet from Stardom, the Oscar nominated uh, documentary about backing singers behind the world's greatest stars. And it's a it's a, a look at the, the people who are just in the background all the time. That sounds really, really... And it's Oscar-nominated as well, so that's great. And then, as ever, the GFF surprise film, which last year was Spring Breakers, and I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good film. However, uh, this year, it could be anything. If, if you asked me to guess right now, um, when I went to see... I think it was when I went to see Wolf of Wall Street or possibly 12 Years Slave. No, 12 Years Slave. I saw a trailer for the new Martin McDonough film, uh, Calvary, uh, starring Brendan Gleeson. That really looks like a Glasgow Film Festival film. Uh, it's about a priest who hears in confession that someone's going to come back and kill him within a week. And he's got a week to put his affairs in order. It looks quite a dark uh, comedy drama from the guy who wrote the guard so i think that fits into glasgow film festival really well so that if i had to have a guess that would be my guess and if it is i'll be very happy and yeah just to let everyone know we're going to be up there i'm going to be up there other people are going to be up there again i'm meeting up with some of our old scottish buddies from last time uh i'm going to do some podcasting from up there we're going to be there at brewdog again brewdog glasgow looking after us and we've actually got i'm not going to say who it is yet 
because you never, I don't want to jinx anything, but we've got actual, genuine celebrity guests. Genuine comedy celebrity guests. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. Uh, we'll have a break there. We'll be back with what we've been watching shortly. Uh, what we've been watching then, where we tell you what films we've been watching in the last week or so, not necessarily a new release. And Owen, why don't you, you start us off? Yeah, okay. Um, well, as always happens when uh, I watch a Martin Scorsese film, uh, in this case we went to see Wolf of Wall Street, um, I sort of craved another one. And as The Last Temptation of Christ was on TV recently, uh, which is one of his films I've never actually seen before, released in 1988, I thought well, I might as well just give it a go. Um, it's, uh, as you can probably tell from the title, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about uh, him being constantly tested by God or either being tempted by the devil. And when it came out in 1988, it's based on a, on a, on a book um, by a guy called, I'm really sorry, Nikos Kazantzakis. I think that's how you pronounce it. A Greek guy, basically, um, released in the 50s, the novel. It's a sort of direct adaptation of that. Uh, it was very controversial, um, and I can't really explain too much about why it was so controversial without spoiling certain aspects of the film. But suffice to say, it changes certain aspects of the, the, the Bible. It makes a point at the very beginning of the film that it says this is not sort of gospel. This is just a story about Jesus. So from from that moment on, you kind of... It sets it up very nicely, so you, you, you're not fully aware of what is actually going to happen. And the, the whole film's basis, really, is about um, this divine man being tested and his desires and what what does he want as a human being? He may be the son of God, but what is it that drives him? What What's the temptations he encounters in everyday life? Um, so it, it, from that perspective... Um, it is quite quite interesting, and I can see why it is notorious and why it was controversial, because it's bound to offend, uh, particularly towards the end of the film. It is bound to offend some people who may be a bit sensitive to that. Um, but, you know, it stars Willem Dafoe as Jesus, and I honestly think he was really good in it. Um, from what I gather the generally held consensus appears to be that he's, his performance has been a little bit overshadowed by the controversy that surrounded the film when it was released and that is a bit of a shame because he, he does get to show how good of an actor he is in it um, he has to do a, just a completely wide range of different uh, scenes um, from sort of more sensitive more um, almost romantic scenes if you like to through all the way through to being just blissful and then the complete opposite end of being angry and and vengeful so he, he's got a, a very varied uh role and he he does it all very well i think um the only criticism i really have and it's not specifically him who i have the criticism of with regards to the performances um more than that everyone seemed to be doing it so i, I can't tell whether it's something scorsese was doing intentionally or whether it was just quite bad editing. But every character's got a very... When they're talking, there are very long gaps between people responding to each other. And I know that seems a bit strange, but when you watch it, you see that one character will say something, then there's a long pause, 
<laughs> and then someone else say something. And it's just a bit jarring. And I, I don't know why they did it and what the point of it was. Um, but it didn't help either that the, the dialogue in it was really pretty crap. I, I know you've got to kind of make exceptions for it because it's set in like oldie times and <laughs> they probably didn't have a huge vocab anyway never mind the fact that some of them talk in English accents and some of them talk in American accents and you've got Harvey Keitel sounding like Harvey Keitel you know but it's um yeah the dialogue in it is really poor so that didn't really help it um and I I know another criticism people have of the film is it's quite long I mean it is a Scorsese film you do kind of expect them to go on a bit um it's about 190 minutes I think in total possibly no possibly a bit less than that but I didn't think it felt like a slog. Sometimes you get these long films and they, they go on for ages and it drags, but it didn't really drag. It was fine. It has to cover a lot of, of Jesus's life from getting voices in his head, telling him he's the son of God through to the crucifixion and stuff. So yeah, I mean, you, you, I kind of expected it to be quite long anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it, it, it was, it was a good film. It could have been better. Um, there are aspects of it that I quite enjoyed, but I think as a as a film, it's probably not one of his best technically. There isn't that there isn't any particular scene which is one which is a wow moment that you sometimes get with with Scorsese's films. I think ninety percent mm. of them they have something in it that's very striking and and makes it stand out as a Scorsese film. This seemed to be shot fairly ordinarily, which isn't necessarily a criticism of most directors, but because it's Scorsese, it's just got that bit of extra expectation on it. Um, so it failed to deliver on that. But yeah, I mean, as a story, it it was quite interesting. Could have been better, but could quite easily have been worse. I think it's repeated on, on film four quite a lot at the minute. It was on at least twice last week. Um, okay. So if you are sort of a fan of Scorsese, that's where I saw it on film four. So, you know, if you're a fan of Scorsese, you want to check out some of his older work, then yeah, this wouldn't be the worst place to start. Okay. Uh, film I watched this week, I was starting to watch The Way Way Back, which I was really enjoying, and then my copy went funny and I couldn't see the rest of it. So, based on the first half hour, it's brilliant. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but the film I did actually watch all of was a 2012 uh, film, The Impossible. Uh, set around the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami starring uh, Naomi Watts from the aforementioned quiz and Ewan McGregor um, and it is based on a true experience of the, the this is where I wish Jerry was here to pronounce Spanish properly um, <laughs> the, the Balon family that's probably near enough right um, who, who who were caught up in, in the tsunami in 2004 uh, they were on. They were on a Christmas holiday. Uh, they were from Spain, and they got, mi- you know, mixed up and separated in it. And, and you know, the films about them finding each other in the aftermath of it, as well as kind of looking at the initial aftermath of of the disaster and the area they're in. Um, <clears throat> start off with with the only kind of negatives. I did enjoy the film. I didn't really see because in the film they've they've obviously it's obviously based. Well, it is on the experience of a Spanish family. Mm. But other than, uh, you know, they've changed it to a, an English or a British family. I mean, the names, other than that of Ewan McGregor's character, the, the, uh, the names they've kind of anglicised the, the, the Spanish names of, the, of mm. the wife, Maria, and the children. 
but they've they've you know given them an English surname. They, they make them a Bennett family. I think you could have left that a lot more ambiguous and didn't need to kind of even give them a nationality, as it were. I, I know mm. I know the need to kind of bring in um, big name actors to kind of get the story across and get the kind of pull and the audience to film one. If it was, you know, a Spanish film, Spanish language with Spanish actors no disrespect to them and the Spanish film industry, mm. it wouldn't have made the impression it did. It wouldn't have been made because it mm. was it was actually quite an expensive film to make. I, yeah. a, a Spanish film wouldn't have, would just never would have. So yeah, no, I I agree but, with but you, I, Steve. I, I think. But I think I, I think they could have been more kind of ambiguous. Didn't even have to put a surname in. Then they could just say at the mm. end of the film, well, we didn't change anything. The names are the same. We've just you know, put it in English language so we can get a bigger audience, more money, and show this this story that we want to tell. Um, but then Maria herself, who it happened to, was apparently really involved with the making of this film, so mm. she was obviously happy with it. So who am I to criticise if she's happy? With, <laughs> if she's happy with it and it happened to her, then I can't really slag it off, can I? Yeah. Um, the performances, you know, it looks it looks brilliant. I mean, it's a disaster film. I can't really say it looks brilliant, but you know, the actual effects of the tsunami. Mm. It, it looks realistic. It's portrayed well. The aftermath, it, you can actually believe that it's it's not bad special effects. It, it looks realistic. It looks believable. Um, and I think the, 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 everyone acts well in it, but the main two are, are Naomi Watts and, and her old, the oldest son in the film, Tom Holland, are mm. both brilliant. And when those two are... Because yeah. those two get separated from the dad and the two younger sons. So it's, you know, until towards the end of the film, it's Naomi Watts you know, playing Maria and the oldest son, and then separately the dad and the two youngest sons. Mm-hmm. And when Naomi Watts and, and Tom Holland are together and, and doing their bit on screen, they're both absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know Naomi Watts got Academy Award nominated and Golden Globe nominated for this film, uh, and she definitely deserved it. I'm not sure who won the awards in that year, but... And Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> um, but she... She definitely deserved the, the nomination, and Tom Holland, like I said, was, was brilliant. I don't know if he's gone on to things since, or is, is just kind of another child actor. I'm sure he will. It's only been a year. I'm sure yeah. he'll. Because yeah. um, there's child labour laws. They can't, you know, child actors can't actually do that much because they're still meant to continue with their education. Just, their is this something like called the Macaulay Culkin law or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly what, it's, what it is. It's to prevent them turning into weird drug losers. They've seen Macaulay Culkin and Frankie Muniz and just thought, no, we've got to stop this. I'm pretty sure those laws aren't in place in America, and that's why all the American child actors end up complete nut jobs. Uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf, for example. (laughs) The biggest of the lot. But no, uh, Headbutting people in pubs recently, apparently. uh, Brilliant. Uh, anyway, I agree with you, Steve. Those performances are absolutely fantastic. I, mean, I, 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 I think it, I think it doesn't keep up the same level of drama when it switches to the dad and the two youngest sons. I think I, I think the most tension and drama and and good performances are, are you know the, the mum and the oldest son. But then you don't you see them initially after as soon as a kind of tsunami's happened. You don't really see you know, you and McGregor and the two youngest sons getting out of the, the ways, essentially, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. You kind of see them a little bit, you know, a few hours or whatever it is down the road once it's all calmed down a bit, essentially. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Although what I would say is um, you and McGregor's, uh, there, there is a scene 
uh, where you and McGregor, and I think that it was like a bit in the trailer or something. Like, I won't go too much. It's a scene with uh, with a cell phone and you and McGregor, and yeah. that is the best I've seen you and McGregor act possibly since Train Spotting. Um, that that really emotional scene. And actually, this film, what you all know that I get quite emotional at films. No, I think I I think I <laughs> sobbed for about half of this film, and then walked home. And just walked in the door and could barely say anything and hugged my family. because And they were like, what the hell is wrong with you, basically? And I'm like, I, just, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just so glad I you're mean, home. The, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of film. The, the only other, well, another criticism I've heard about it is that some people say it doesn't, doesn't really show the, the story of, or mm-hmm. give, give an impression of what the locals yeah. went through. Yeah. It's just the kind of story of a, a middle class white family caught up in a tsunami. Yeah. Um, does it, you know, it doesn't really hold up for me because it's a fantastic story. You know, mm. it probably happened to a number of, a couple of different, you know, a number of families, but, you know, split up in the aftermath of disaster, find each other and go for all this. But it, it does show how, how the local people were so kind of helpful and how they just kind of yep. got, they just got on with it. Yeah. Got on with things. Yeah, and, and as well as that, there, there's there's lots of really good documentaries that have been made o- over this thing where you can see how the locals and and the people of, of the various countries affected have, have got on with their life and got on with the aftermath and that. And there's loads of other other things that you can you can look at or read surrounding this, but this this one story is just a centre point of 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 the whole situation. And if they were going to sort of show what was happening in various places around it it's going to end up a bit day after tomorrow if you know what i mean mm. where they sort yeah. of go all right here's here's the quaid bloke going off to find his son in 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 new york <laughs> <The> quaid again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but uh, you know but then oh, we'll go off to here's the helicopter trying to fly find mm. a queen to balmoral or oh, here's uh australia getting the worst weather yeah. ever here's japan getting massive hailstones here you know yeah. this that and the other it's, it's going to kind of take the film in that direction and then no matter how good the, the acting performances are in it, it's going to take something away from the film. I agree with you. Also, the great thing about this film, it's basically a 90-minute film. It's a 90-minute film. It's one story. And and I'm sorry, what's wrong? Cinema's job is to tell stories, and that's what it does. And we will probably discuss a similar criticism when we review Wolf of Wall Street about not showing a wider picture or other victims and things like that. And we'll probably still come up with pretty much the same answer, which is, do you know what? This focused on one certain bit that, as you say, there are documentaries, there were news reports, there are books. There is a wealth of material out there about the wider effects of of this horrendous natural disaster um, and, and the damage it caused to, nations and people but this is one small story from there and it's a story that in my opinion deserves telling and was told well so i'm glad you enjoyed it steve it's a warning yeah. about the um legalization of gay marriage isn't it yes exactly that's right you well, remember said yeah you kept me yeah that's exactly right the gays control the weather that's now, it, now. So, yeah. so watch out was that when i've made it rain the last four times i played football and i got absolutely drenched <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. You've, the gays, offended, that's the what's You've offended the gays, Bloody, Steve. That I can believe. Bloody gays. That, yes. Uh, James, your film was. Okay. Yes. So, um, well, very, very quick. I did rewatch Glen Garrigan Ross, which I think we've spoken. Someone I've, reviewed, I've it. reviewed it because I saw it. Okay. I saw it. I can't remember when, but. but yeah. Yeah. 
And oh god, I still love that so, film. I, I, the reason I I watched it is because I I wanted to see a more kind of low key, um, less debauched view of of high pressure sales um, as a, as a kind of companion piece to Wolf of Wall Street. So I what Owen went out and found another Scorsese. I wanted to go out and find another film about high pressure sales and how it can turn people into people they don't want to be. That kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I still absolutely love that film. I forgot how how sweary it is, which is fantastic. Uh, but it's simply one of the best ensemble cast performances of all time. You've just got so many great actors at the top of their game. Loved it. However, the film I do want to properly talk about is part of my um, mission to go around the world in 80 films. And I've I was in where was I last time? Finland. And I've stayed in Scandinavia this week because, you know, a bit more believable that way, isn't it? It's the kind of thing that Willy Fogg would have done. Uh, I've travelled from Finland down to Denmark. Just logistically. (laughs) I'm thinking logistics. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's a film from Lars von Trier, which I'd not seen before. And it's a really weird one in his canon. It's it's a kind of madcap comedy, um, (laughs) which you really don't associate with with the work of Lars von Trier at all. to give you uh, the basic uh, scenario behind it, it's about a a man called um, Raun. Uh, it's R A V N, but everyone calls him Raun, so that must be some Danish pronunciation thing. Anyway, he is he owns an IT company, um, but for years he's just pretended that he didn't own it and he was just middle management, so he can make all the good decisions and all the popular decisions and every, every bad decision he's ever had to make, he's blamed on this absent boss that has never been around, this absent owner that lives in America. And the time's come he wants to sell he wants to sell this IT business to an Icelandic uh, man who refuses to deal with stooges um he says if you're dealing with the stooge you're dealing with no one and he's this comedy angry character and so he has to so the the owner of the company has to appear and so this uh this guy hires an actor to play the what they call the boss of it all who he keeps referring to um the trouble is this actor has been out of work for a little bit and he overthinks his role and there's some really good comedy scenes actually from it in the fact that he's thinking about his motivation why would he do this he doesn't want to become too uh soap opera and what should just become uh, a couple of hours work uh, becomes the fact that he has to pretend to be the boss for a few weeks to all the staff and um Round himself has over the years been emailing different staff as the boss of it all, uh, but he's come up with loads of different stories. So this guy who doesn't know anything about IT or his stuff is constantly having to think on his feet. And it does sound like it would be a really good madcap comedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice it's a nice idea, isn't it? Um, and it's obviously a, a really nice idea because uh, Mitch, oh what's it? AD uh, guy did arrest Mitch Herwig, is that right? Arrested development. Oh yeah, yeah, Mitch Herwig, yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2011, it was announced that he was making, he was doing an American remake of this, which I usually am terrified by the idea of. But actually, having seen this, I'd like to see a more traditional take on this story because I think it's a great story. But you can't get away from the fact that this is Lars von Trier directing this, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna make it easy for you whatsoever. Um, so there's this, there's this odd kind of external narrator who is talking about the generic conventions of comedy and even at one point halfway through he says oh and then this could happen but no this is a comedy so now we're going to introduce uh a, an, a surprising character 
Uh, you know, and it's, he's talking about how this is a comedy because he's making it a comedy, and so and talking about the different camera angles and things like that. So it's just that's really weird breaking the fourth wall there. The other bizarre thing that I only found out afterwards because I was watching it going, there's these weird jump cuts everywhere and some very odd choices of camera shots and things like that. And yeah, it's because Lars von Trier shot it with uh, a piece of equipment called Automavision. Um, where basically he sets up a computer in the room, gets the actors to act, and then a computer randomly chooses where to move the camera to, when to zoom it, when to randomly stick cuts in it. It's this bizarre idea. And okay, fair play, Lars, you nut job for <laughs> experimenting. Um, but what that I mean, you just got the, it, you just feel really cold to the film. And there's, unlike, say, for example, um, Ricky Gervais's The Office, which actually a lot of this feels quite similar. If, you know, if it's about small office politics. Um, it it looks very much like the original uh, TV series The Office. And this is almost the kind of scenario you could imagine possibly coming up in an episode of that uh, of that show. Um, but what you had in there was kind of it, it, it invited you in. It, it was it, there was a warmth to it. Uh, and a, a you could recognise elements of it. Whereas in this, it's it's Lars von Trier keeping you at arm's length. And it's just, no, just let me... And I just, at the end, was thinking, Lars, I just want to have a laugh. Come on, just go for it. Um, and that's, that's the problem, because some moments are hysterically funny. And then you'll go 10, 15 minutes without a joke. And it's just, oh, you've got a great little setup here. Um, and some bit... And I really like the central performances... And there are some really, really funny moments. And um, some of the funniest bits right at the beginning is when the actor's talking about his influence, Gambrini. Uh, and, he, it, you know, it's just, it's a really nice, um, it's a really nice pastiche of um, self-important actors. Uh, you know, the acting process and things like that. So it's very self-referential. It's very self-knowing. However, it just it isn't consistently funny enough to... And even though it's only 90 minutes, I started to get a bit bored during it, which was a shame because elements of it were fantastic. And I kind of admire the the idea of using automavision and letting a computer take over the camera. Move. You know, it's, it's it's an interesting statement, you know, mm. from coming from the guy who created the dogma film movement. As well. You know, what I do like about Lars von Trier, complete nut job. But at least he's not lazy and he's constantly thinking of ways to challenge himself. He, he's an artist, uh, whether you like it or not. And you might hate his films. And there's very few films that I, he's not, I properly enjoy. But I, I, at least I can sit there and go, oh, it's someone who's trying to be different. He's trying to push the boundaries. And I, I appreciate that. Um, like I say, it was just, it was just a shame that this wasn't funny enough. Um, so I, I feel like I can't really, I can't recommend it as a comedy. Um, but if you're interested in the films of Lars von Trier, it's an absolute must for you because it's one of the only times I've seen him do attempt a kind of out and out comedy. Uh, and like I say, this Automavision is quite an interesting idea as well. But uh, obviously, can't see it catching on. Yeah, it, it was a it was a decent enough film, but it it wasn't great. Excellent. Um, where are you going next then? Do you think stay in Scandinavia or are you going to move off? Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I've got a load lined up at the moment. Um, and also, I, I was having a look at the Glasgow Film Festival. Thing. I found a Kazakhstan film showing at Glasgow Is that Film Festival. Borat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
that looks actually like a really dark kind of really depressing film but part of me's thinking yeah you're not you're not going to get many chances to see a Kazakhstan film so I'm probably going to go with that um and there was a film for, there's a, a Greek film don't think there's too much Greek cinema out there a Nigerian film playing at Glasgow film so I might use the festival to kind of stock up on a few countries which I'm going to find it a bit more how, how are you, so you're going for 80 countries aren't you 80 countries yeah because I mean according to the UN there's 193 yeah so, so I'm uh, less than half yeah should be a piece of piss shouldn't it shouldn't it <laughs> Like I, like I said last week, there's always a Nollywood on Sky that you can watch for. That's true, actually. Yeah, maybe I won't need to do Nigeria, but although that's probably a good film, whereas the the Nollywood films on Sky, I'm sure. Are, oh Jesus. Uh, anyway, up next is our review of The Wolf of Wall Street. So our new release review this week was The Wolf of Wall Street, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah. Hill, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is Jordan Belfort, based on a true story of a stockbroker who um, basically uh, rips everyone else and has, has, has a fantastic lifestyle until things fall down around him. Here's a clip. Can you say that again? Just the way you said it. Just the same way. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking no, I about. I just say the same thing. I think what Jordan just did is he, if I'm not mistaken, no. you just tried to bribe a federal officer. No, technically no, I didn't bribe no, anybody. No, technically that's not the that's, No, no, no. According to the U.S. Criminal Code, there needs to be an exact dollar figure for an exchange of services. That would not hold up in a court of law. No, 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 I heard it. No, 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 no. That's the truth. But I want to tell you this. Yeah. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well, you know, when you sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? Yes, that was a clip of uh, the Wolf of Wall Street then. Um, where do we want to start with this one? Um, <clears throat> I don't know, because there's a big debate to be had, but do we have, should we review the film first? Yes. And then yes. let's have the debate. Let's review um, the film and the performances first, then let's yeah. debate then. Um, so w- what do we think of the film? I thought it was entertaining, and I, I've made this point to a few other people, uh, uh, that it, it is three hours long, so we've, we've had those trailers during the cinema for three and a half hours. The only other film recently like that is The Hobbit 2, which, you know, obviously, obviously completely different films, but both around the mm-hmm. same length in the cinema for the same time. Even though you kind of knew you were in this film for a long time and they could have cut bits out and made it shorter, you feel like it's less dragged out than that, The Hobbit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. You certainly feel like you're... It's got a great pace. Yes. It's got a really good pace. Yes. Um, and, and I think it helps that the film itself has energy. Um, you the performances have got real energy. Uh, DiCaprio's got a huge energy. The fact that it's Scorsese's seventy four now. He's seventy four, mm-hmm. seventy five. The fact that a man of that age is making a film like this. Wow, what incredible energy! For, yeah, that's that's a man who's still living at the top of his game. I, I'm well, consider, you're considering right. there is only one main character in this film. This isn't a film mm. that has got a number of main characters. No. DiCaprio carries it at an amazing yeah. pace throughout. He doesn't stop. He is. Yeah. For three hours, his character is just full of energy and just whether it's good energy or bad energy, it's just non-stop. Oh, he, he, 
yeah, he clearly channels what we would expect of someone portraying someone like Jordan Belfort. He he his performance in this is at 100 miles an hour in exactly the same way that Belfort appeared to live his life. If, if DiCaprio um, come out and said, and for our lawyers' purposes, I'm not saying he was, but if DiCaprio come out and said, I was coked up for the whole making of this film, you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair. Of course he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, it's a fair. It's a fair point. Interestingly, apparently, uh, it was originally a six-hour film. Then it was cut down to four hours, and then three. Finally, well, no one would have gone to see it if it was six yeah. hours. Regardless no, of who made it and who's in it, no one would. Exactly. But I actually, I'd love to see the six-hour cut of this. I don't think I'll ever. I don't think it'll ever see like day. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a four-hour director's cut of this, and I'd watch that as well. I don't. I don't think the time is an issue here. I know a few people have said it's uh, it's a bit bloated. It's a bit sag. Uh, the middle section, if if I had a criticism about its pacing, uh, the middle section where it is literally Jordan Belfort and his people being successful and being dicks to people. Um, but it needs. Yeah. It, I think it needed but, that. If you did yeah. have that, then it'd be utterly pointless, wouldn't it? You but, need oh. to see him being Belfort and seeing what he did and yeah. how he lived and how he thought of himself and his friends because, and family. Because, because even though it's this is based on Belfort's book and it's um you know he's he's involved in the film he even appears in it as well. But you know he it's it's I don't think you're ever meant to like him or root for him. No. Not yeah, at all. From, no. from, from, from the point of, um, you know, basically, until as soon as he meets Matthew McConaughey's character, up to mm. then he seems like quite a likeable, you know, just person trying to trying to make, you know, a decent a, wage. A wide-eyed kid. As soon as he meets Matthew McConaughey, he turns into a complete <laughs> dick. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. I'm meant to realise that. I don't think, I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any kind of of, of man who would who would not want to live that kind of lifestyle even briefly but i don't think for one minute you're meant to like him or root for him or support him or think hope he gets off or gets out of it well let, yeah, do you know what we, we've gone into it let's have the debate now and then we'll talk about everything else yeah. that we thought was good or bad about the film because we've we've opened up this can of worms and it is it's been a huge albatross around this film's neck i think it's affected its chances of winning big oscars although performance wise it's doing well I, I don't it's not going to win best picture scorsese's not going to win best director and a big part of that has been this campaign around the fact that this a lot of people accuse the film of at at least condoning the actions of Jordan Belfort, uh, mainly saying that because it doesn't show the victims, it doesn't show what happened to the people that they ripped off, um, that they don't exist, which, you know, the fact that you know they do. Uh, (laughs) But that is a big thing, is the fact that it revels in its own debauched behaviour. And it doesn't help. It's it's not meant to be a film about them, though. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We've spoken about that now. I mean, it doesn't help, though, that um, big finance companies have been buying out hmm. cinema screens and their staff have been going there and apparently cheering at all the moments where most normal people are sickened to their but, stomach but, but, by the action. But then, but then that's the kind of people they are. That's the industry yeah. they work in. That's the kind of ethics they have. So, you know, if you if you if you took um, a load of, if, of, if, you know, if if once I don't know, let's let's think of an extreme. But let's say a, a racist organisation booked out a cinema screen in which, for at least part of the film, racists were, were looking like. Let's say yeah. they did it in yeah. yeah. 
I, I know I know exactly. They'll I know probably start about. cheering at that kind of bit as well. Yeah. So if, it, if anything, it just sort of proves the point that the film is making. If it is I, trying yeah, to make can, a point, you know. I completely agree on that. I think there is uh, the fact is anyone who comes out of this film kind of rooting for the character of Jordan Belfort needs to have a really long hard look at themselves. Because, I mean, because it, he's a, he's a complete prick in this. He, in fact, he's monstrous at he, times. Even at, even at the end, he he screws over his mates who he was the one who got them in this situation in the first place he was the one who employed them who created this who who this this entity this business who scripted them who taught them who you know mentored them who who led this thing and then and then he and then he screws them all over there's a moment about two-thirds of the way through the film where you think he's learned a lesson and you think he's going, and and, and no, he doesn't, because he's, he's a dick of monumental proportions. And it's different. In a lot of ways, this film shares similar parallels with Goodfellas. Uh, as, yeah, there's, there are huge similarities between the films, and I don't mean that in the next, because I, I, I love Goodfellas anyway. You, you've not only got the, the kind of narration uh, of, of a main character and the rise into what is essentially a criminal criminal empire, um but Henry Hill, even at his worst times, that you could understand bits of why Henry Hill was the character he was. Um, and there were even bits in Goodfellas, after he's done some unspeakable things, you know, he's murdered people, that you've got some sympathy for the character. I can't believe anyone watches Wolf of Wall Street and has any sympathy whatsoever for Jordan Belfort. And if that, for me, Scorsese's done his job there, he has, he's literally just held a mirror up to the finance industry. And portrayed it apparently slightly toned down, according to people who've read uh, the original book. Um, some of the stuff that they've ha- that's happened in this film, they've had to mm. tone down slightly from what happened in real life. Um, so anyone who says that the film celebrates the, uh, Jordan Belfort is, I don't, I don't know where they're getting that idea from. Um, and anyone who thinks, uh, well, again, going back to this idea that the film needs to show the victims now very very different film very different and maybe i'm going to offend loads of people by making this comparison here but i couldn't help thinking of the film downfall about the last days of adolf hitler right you don't need to see the concentration camps in that film you don't need to see the millions of no, people you, that he exterminated you know hitler's a nasty you know bastard. about it yeah exactly <laughs> and you know that millions of people lost money the film explains to you that just because you don't see them crying into their repossessed cars or anything like that, if you don't realise that they exist. And the thing is, part of me thinks, actually, that's very clever because they didn't exist in Belfort's mind. So exactly. why should they exist in this film? Um, it's all about him as a, 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 you know, whatever you think of him as a real person. He's a, he's a film character. And yeah. the, the point of the story is to tell it from his perspective and how he sees things. Exactly. Which I think, is I why think he other... doesn't even acknowledge when he's being, um, you know, when justice is served, if you like, because it's not really to him. It's just like, oh, well, I just no. went to prison for all day. It was, just, yeah. it was all right. It, yeah. And, and if you, if you come from the point of view that this is Jordan Belfort's story, that all makes perfect exactly. sense. The only criticism I've then got is um, the fact that you're giving a platform to someone like Jordan Belfort, um, you could argue you're giving him enough rope to hang himself, basically. The only thing I've... I was going to say, do you think, because this film is, is, he's obviously been involved with the making of this film, and it was based, yeah. it was based on his own book. 
but it makes him he claims he made no money from the selling but, but, of his rights. But anyway, it makes him out to be a complete dick. Do you think he yeah. realizes that this film makes him out to be a complete dick? And do you think because obviously he may have changed, he's obviously can't go back in the same industry. In the film, it makes a point that he went sober and stopped doing drugs and everything. Do you think he realizes that during that time he was a dick? And do you really do you think this no. film put you know makes him you know, or do you think he's watching this film back? thinking, oh, look how brilliant I was. Do you think he look, watches this did. film and thinks, God, I was a right twat, wasn't I? No. no, I honestly think he watches that film and goes, oh, I made a few mistakes. Worst thing I did was get caught. Yeah. I honestly think that's probably... And, but yeah, that's my one my one criticism and the one stick that someone could beat it with is the fact that they make him such a monster but still give him a part, you know, a small part in the film, which... That was probably down to him, wasn't it? He gives him a bit... He was, he was probably, you're, you're not using... My book. He sold the rights yeah. ages ago. He sold the rights a long, long time ago. It's been in development for a little while. Um, I don't, I don't, no, he he wasn't in a position to make that. <coughs> that he, that's I, I I don't know how or why they came to a decision to allow him to be in the film. But I I do think that I, I, although I hope... it doesn't personally make me feel antagonistic towards the makers, I think what they've done is they've given they've given critics a bit of an easy stick to beat them I with. Hope, I hope they did. I hope they give... put him in it because. You know, it is a funny film, and I hope it's kind of a a meta kind of joke from Scorsese and the people who made it laughing at him, having one last laugh at him by putting him in it. Quite possibly, it, it, it's like as like the... lowest of the low. He's like running sales seminars. Yeah, you know, he possibly. Yeah, he is one of the. Possibly. Yeah, I hope it's kind of like one last dig at him, and he doesn't even realise because he's so up his own ass. Yeah. Also, it does make you realise that Leonardo DiCaprio was very generous casting when you actually saw him. <laughs> it made me think, yeah, actually, yeah, you shouldn't have had, you should have had Jonah Hill play. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but Leonardo, let's get on. So yeah, let, we put that one to bed. It doesn't condone the finance industry and all that nonsense. Good. Let's go on to the good things about the film then. We, oh, and you mentioned DiCaprio. Um, yeah. He gets to be really funny. He gets to be funny. I've not seen him be funny before. Not 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 like this. No. Well, I think I mentioned his his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes, where he sort of jokingly thanked his fellow nominations for the best comedy category. Yeah. And he was sort of joking about it. He, he actually he he's very funny. He, he's hilarious yeah. at times in yeah. this. And some brilliant physical comedy, which is you know fantastic. There is a particular kind of sequence. Yes. Um. Sort of which car oh, journey, which, um... a car journey and uh you know quaaludes <laughs> and that is, is is some of that is some of the best physical comedy i've seen <laughs> for a long time actually and it, it could in the wrong hands that could have been quite painful and stupid um but no it was it was compulsive viewing and and that was great he's got some really good timing but at the moments that he needed some darkness and some proper acting mm-hmm. That was there as well, and there's um you know one of my favourite scenes was one of the far more low key scenes. It's the first time that the FBI agent played by Carl Chandler, who is um investigating him, they meet on uh Belfort's yacht, yeah. and Belfort's invited him there against all all advice uh because he he thinks he's invincible, and during the course of that conversation, you can just see in DiCaprio's eyes his character. You can see Belfort suddenly realise. There's almost a moment, and you actually pretty much see the blood drain out of his face when he realises he's out of his depth mm. and things aren't going quite his way. And the way he turns, that's fantastic dramatic acting. Uh, and he 
he runs the gamut in this film and like you say just the pure energy yeah. of the mass i also one thing that normally annoys me in films i know it's completely irrational but narration usually annoys me i quite liked him breaking the fourth wall and sort of turning to oh. camera and explaining things and making little quips it, it worked it was, it was something different wasn't it yeah it was and again yeah that that was good fun and it it felt it felt in spirit with the film. Yeah. It felt like it wasn't uh, just a tool to move things along. Because, right. in fact, he could have used that to explain a lot of stuff. But the moments where he, he starts explaining how the scam works and goes, oh, you don't want to know anything about that. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was quite nice. Um, uh, yeah. And you know, Leo, fantastic. But how many other brilliant performances were in there? It was Joe, it, Jonah Hill you were talking about earlier was very yeah. good. Yeah, I really, really liked who who managed to be funny. Um, but also, you know, showed his his acting chops as well. Uh, Cole Reiner as Jordan Belfort's dad was brilliant. Um, Jordan Belfort's angry accountant dad. Matthew McConaughey's very very small scenes, absolutely fantastic as well. I you know, loving McConaughey at the moment. Margot Robbie as his second wife was not only incredibly stunning. I'm sorry, it sounds horribly sexist that I'm even pointing that out, but she's actually genuinely stuck it's not just like there's a pretty genuinely stunning in this film but as the film wears on she really comes into her own as well didn't she used to be in neighbors or something yeah she was she yeah was she's neighbors, straight, but... yeah. yeah but no she was she was great but, joanna lumley you know yeah. it, it, it's you know a, a huge cast and I, I bet other people have um hit the cutting room floor. Oh, and um Jean Duardine um as well from the artist as a yeah. sleazy Swiss banker who really got to enjoy himself in his his role. You you get the feeling. A perfect. Um, no comment on yeah. Personal, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. But. Yeah. Exactly. No, but he he was he was fantastic yeah. in that role. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I also and, thought what was good about the comedy aspect of it just i know dragging it back to that when we're talking about them but it, it wasn't it, it it was satirical but it wasn't patronizingly satirical if you know what i mean no there were, i know it's been compared as well to things like wall street the, mm. the original wall street film which i really liked i've talked about it on here before i think it's a brilliant film but that even that has something like martin sheen's character who's the moral conscience of the, of the film Whereas this, just absolutely forget it. It's not going to censor anything. It's not going to glorify anything either. This is just them doing what they do, which itself is a satire on that lifestyle. And it yeah. it makes for some very funny, very cringeworthy, but very funny yeah. scenes. You know, yeah, it is, fu- um, it is yeah. funnier. I know it is billed as a as a kind of black comedy or dark comedy, mm. but it's funnier than a lot of proper comedies I've seen lately. Mm, it, yeah, yeah the, the, the yeah. films that you know maybe like the kind of it's funnier than maybe kind of the the some of the comedies that even Jonah Hill's appeared in uh, like they're actually comedies. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, definitely funnier than some of the ones that he's appeared in. Yeah, <laughs> some of them been terrible, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a very funny film. Yeah, some people won't like the length, um, and it was quite interesting. I went to see this film at my local art cinema, um, which is. Every every time I go, I I, t- I had a I took a half day actually because I thought it's three hours. I'm, I'm going to take a half day and watch a Scorsese film in the cinema. Um, so I did, and I got there, and it was full of old people, <laughs> full of old people. And uh, the great thing, first up, up comes the certificate 18 title card, 
uh, warning of very strong language, very strong sex, most, and scenes of hard drug use. Most uses of the word fuck in any film in, in yes. like Hollywood history or something. Dramatic film, yeah, yeah for over 500. Um, there's a documentary which has got nearly 1,000 in, which I think is about the word fuck. I think, and but, I think, um, I think the South Park episode probably bears as many in, in 25 minutes as... Yes. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is, you know, this 500 in a three hour film, uh, pretty impressive. So that comes up and I hear a few people around me go, oh, yeah, like genuinely shocked. And I'm thinking, what what did you think you were coming I, to I, see? I did people bit... not pay any attention to? And then people afterwards, um, going, oh, three hours, didn't know it was three hours. Was, did, again, did, did you not do, did you just literally walk up and go, I'll have a ticket to the next film that's on, please, I, and then go and see? They could have walked into the wrong screening. My father-in-law did, went to see... The uh, Railway Man was on at the same yeah. time, and I do, th- I, I think the people who came in 15 minutes after it started, two drunk, uh, a drunk old couple, who then started asking me what they'd missed in the first... Mm. Yeah, thanks for that, guys. Uh, stinking of booze. Well, I, I think they were meant to go in and watch The Railway Man, but they stayed for the whole film and laughed. So, <laughs> fair enough. I've, I, I had something similar. There was, there was as well as like a... They must have been friends, but kind of uh, middle-aged plus women sat across from me who kind of, any time anyone was naked on screen or any time any drugs being done, kind of shifted uncomfortably. There was also kind of people who went like went to watch this with their parents and i Whoa. and i thought i thought all right you might enjoy this your parents might enjoy this but you don't want to watch it with them it's going to be awkward <laughs> it's going to yeah, be that. really awkward sat next to your mum or dad and there's all this shagging and drug taking going on i mean how you know it's like the stereotypical thing of like when you when you watching telly at home and a sex scene comes on it's awkward for everyone yeah. It's like that, but you can't get away from it. You can't. You can't, you can't yeah. get up and make a cup of tea, can you? <laughs> no, no, that's right. You've just got to hide down in the darkness and hope, and just try not to make eye contact afterwards with them. <laughs> no, is it? Um, but what's fantastic, actually, the the thing I love most about this film, in some ways, is it's the it's I think it's the third highest ever opening 18 certificate in this country, and uh, it's an independent film that made a really hard 18 film. And made it three hours long, and and people have gone to see it. And do you know what, film industry, if if you make the right film, it doesn't matter if it's an 18. It doesn't matter if you make the right film, people will go and see it. Full stop. So let's stop being scared of the 18 certificate. Let's stop being scared of a film being too long. I I know I criticise films for being too long, but that's because they're they are too long. This film isn't too long. This film is three hours long. And it feels right. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It's like a victory, isn't it? Seeing an mm. 18 long film, but getting lots of recognition and, yeah. uh, and lots of positive um, reviews. It's, yeah. It's like a little yeah. victory thinking, yes, finally, yeah. something that's that's doing it. And that hopefully will inspire other filmmakers to, to stop restri- or producers even stop yeah. restricting um, the content of their films. That's self-censoring. It. And- I quite like, I paid six pounds for my ticket. I paid four. Um, which, I paid four seventy-five. Really? Wow. Yeah. You've got some dodgy student card. Or no, something. this was this was at Empire. I was quite surprised oh, as well. Oh, that's nice. So you were even cheaper. I, I was I was thinking, wow, two pound an hour. I was happy with that because I paid twelve quid for uh, Gravity, which I loved, but worked out at eight pound an hour for my entertainment there. Whereas this was only two pound an hour for my entertainment. So I was. I, I was getting more bang for my buck. I was very happy with that. And then it got me out. I started doing a spreadsheet of films and how much, how, yeah. And you don't need to know any more about that. That's just sad. It is. Uh, but right. yeah. Uh, 
But no, I think it's brilliant that there is, yeah, this, there's not a film like it out at the cinema at the moment, and and that's fantastic, and that should that should be celebrated. Yeah. Um, but it was it was very HBO though, I felt, and I think that's yeah. reflected because of the the screenwriter whose name I forget, but he's the guy who did Boardwalk Terrence Empire. Winter. Terrence Winter, yeah, yeah, he did Boardwalk yeah. Empire and The Sopranos, so it's got that very. Uh, it's a word I know some it really annoys some people, but that grittiness to yeah. it, you know, it, it yeah. feels like. It is real. These are all real people doing extraordinary yeah. things. So, yeah. yeah, I quite I quite like that about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, and the fact is, you could I could see maybe the four or six hour cut or whatever they've yeah. got. You could actually see that being chopped up into one hour. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like yeah. it, you could see it being a mini series. Mm. It, it wouldn't be out of place as a, an HBO mini series whatsoever. But. I feel kind of privileged that we get to. I, I, I'm just really happy that Scorsese is still doing something new and exciting. Um, it's brilliant to see. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this film. Yeah. Did, we, did, yeah. we, did we get any kind of listener feedback on this? Yes, we did. And here comes the first. Um, well, let's say uh, Shawkey 1969, uh, Mike Shawcross. Uh, he said Wolf of Wall Street is great, but he thinks it's a film he liked for the wrong reasons: debauchery, rules, sex, drugs, and money. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, how oh dare? But there, probably, uh, there probably is a certain kind of person or personality who would actually be rooting for Jordan Belfort in this film. Yeah, I think Mike needs to go and uh, find a job at Bear Stearns or something <laughs> like that if he, yeah. if he was into that. Um, then uh, at the opposite end of the spectrum, at Pafster, uh, he said that Wolf of Wall Street was bloated. Uh, I know he wasn't a fan of it. I know a few other people were disappointed with it as well. Um, and just to, he also he gave us a quick roundup of his thoughts for the week, which was nice. Uh, he said in, uh, he said Matthew McConaughey has been all good since the KFC face rape in Killer Joe, um, which yeah brings back memories I don't want to remember. Um, and also as he pointed out, we forgot to mention in the news section, Jackass presents Bad Grandpa has a an Oscar nomination. It's an Oscar nominated film. It received its nomination for best makeup and hairstyling uh for the old man balls. Um I've still not seen Bad Grandpa. I kinda of feel like I should do now that it's an Oscar nominated film. Um Matt, liked and then it, fi- Matt did like it, yeah. yeah. And then finally at Stake Heed, uh Paul Fisher um, talking about Oscar noms, he thinks Alfonso Cuaron will win director. That's what I've put my money on as well. Um, and he also said that Edge of Four owes everything to love, actually. Uh, and it's difficult to argue with that as well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just leave yeah, it there. We won't go into that. <laughs> okay, um, so we'll have another break then, and then we'll be back with some recommendations for the upcoming week. So recommendations for next week, then I'm going to start off with television. Monday night, got two choices for you. Both start at the same time, both finish at the same time. And it's going to depend on what kind of film you're going to want to watch. If you're going to want to watch a film where you've had your first day back at work after the weekend and you just want to switch off, Five Star showing Bad Boys at nine o'clock. Michael Bay being good doesn't happen often yeah. to make the most of it or if you want a kind of film to immerse yourself in uh, uh, you know and, and have to think about a really intricate plot 
Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from 2011 is on film four. I bloody love that film. Mm, um, following Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is uh, is a Shane Meadows film with a I think it is with a with a title that intrigues me. Uh, Once upon a time in the Midlands. Mm. Um, yeah, I've seen that. It's decent. Yeah. So maybe maybe a double header on Monday night for you. But anyway, yes, that's me, Owen. Um, I'm going for TV recommendations as well. Um, and as soon as I saw it, I thought I've got to include that on the podcast. ITV4, they're having a Van Damme night on Friday. You've got Sudden Death, which is on at 9 wow. p.m., which, if you've not seen it, is basically a knockoff of Die Hard set in an ice rink. Um, yeah. And then immediately after that is Hard Target, which is possibly <gasps> Van Damme's Hard best Target. film. Probably one of John Woo's best as well. So yeah. proper balls out action film. That's the one where he punches a snake. He punches in the a face, snake. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone knows punching the snake. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, he, like, he stands on a motorbike that's moving and fires two guns at the same time as well. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Talking of Van Damme, I was I was flicking through some like I was trying to find like a, a a sci-fi film to watch on Netflix and one came up that I didn't watch because I just thought it's going to be so bad. But it's it's a it's a Van Van Damme's in it. I can't remember the name of it now, but like aliens invade Derby. UFO, a, yeah, UFO. Yeah. It's called. It's rubbish. And he's. It, I, I watched that film for Van Damme, and it he went on for so fucking long, and he was in it for like five minutes, and I'm not even sure he was in the same room as the actors he was supposed to be. Acting I, just, with. I just kind of watched the first scene. I thought, oh, this is gonna be shit. I'm not watching this. Do they save him to the end as well? Is near the end, yeah. So you have to. Is it like his daughter in it though, and that's probably why he turns up, or something like that? His stepdaughter, or something. I'm sure I read. Oh the... right, is it? <laughs> I did wonder why he was in it because it's a British film, like set in Essex or wherever it is. Derby. Uh, is it it's Derby? Derby. Oh, right. It's Derby. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. And he's the French uncle of one of the characters <laughs> who helps Amazing. out with the alien invasion, helps them stop the aliens. It's just, just with a few roundhouse kicks to the face, I hope. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, terrible. You did well um, to stop watching it, Steve. I just thought I can't. I just can't. This is gonna take an hour and a half of my life away. I just can't. Yeah, my wife's still not forgiving me because I made her watch it with me. I thought if I'm going down, she's going down with me, and uh, yeah, ruined the evening for both of us. Uh, James, your film is then. Okay, very quickly, I just want to mention uh, the Crazy Munchkin on the football 365 forum where we kind of hang out now and again um he's mentioned his recommendation is that the act of killing the oscar nominated film my favorite film from last year and one of our top two documentaries from last year on the podcast the act of killing is now on us netflix it's the theatrical cut but it's um it's a highly highly recommended film i'm gonna go i usually stick to dvd uh, and blu-ray and i'm gonna do the same this week and just remind everyone that rush is out on blu-ray on monday and i think it's very, very worth a watch. Uh, interesting as well. Uh, the Blu-ray is red, and I don't think I've ever seen a blue, uh, a red Blu-ray case ever. I've seen a few different colours. You sure ones, you've not but... managed to pick up like a, 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 <laughs> no, a, a rat, yeah, HDD, yeah, I'm assuming that's why there's never been a red Blu-ray before, but th- that just symbolises the defeat of HDD discs because there is now a red Blu-ray. Um, yeah, but um, we spoke about Daniel Brawl earlier in this. Chris Hemsworth, uh, also fantastic. It's, it's a great film. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So if you've not seen it yet, get your ass on that. 
Excellent. I think that's all for uh, for this week's um, podcast. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, reviews of uh, August Osage County, which is probably the biggest release that we'll be able to see next week, and um, maybe grudge match if me, me or Owen decide to go and watch it. <laughs> Or Inside uh, Lewin Davis, the new Coen Brothers film, which was also pretty much overlooked for every single Oscar uh, category. Just, I know that's annoyed some people. Yeah. So I'm going to try and I'm going to try and watch the arty folky film. Oh anyway. yeah, I'll definitely be seeing that one before the podcast. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to it actually. Will, will they definitely show it in your tiny little? I've checked. Room, but... It's on. Oh, yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed by that. And Jack also Ryan, Jack Ryan. Yeah, that's also Shadow true. Recruit. Oh, yeah, mm. uh, unless unless he's been recruited to replace Hank Marvin in the shadows, Cap- um, Captain Kirk Shadow Recruit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the poster for that. Yeah. I saw it. I saw the poster today on a bus stop. It mm. looks terrible. It is just the most generic action poster you've ever seen. Yeah, he's standing so, there with a gun. There's a motorbike. There's an exploding helicopter. And it's just. I, I'm I'm sure our listeners won't be too bothered if we don't get around to yeah. seeing it. But do you know what? If we find time, we will. We but don't um, don't and, hold and your probably breath. A, a, probably a review of Cutthroat Island. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's all for this week. I hope uh, thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed in any way to this podcast. And we'll be back at the same time next week. The Failed Critics Podcast was devised and produced by James Diamond, hosted by Steve Norman, with contributions from Owen Hughes and Jerry McCauley. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, and you can find us at failedcritics.com and on Twitter at, at failedcritics. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> I, I think he's in Tank Girl. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He may I be in Tank, Tank Girl. Girl. Yeah. I've never uh, seen. In 1998, they were credited as additional voices in Babe Pig in the City. Wow. My, this is my least, a hell of a CV. My least favourite of the Babe films, I must admit. I've only seen two. I'm assuming. <laughs> I think there are only two. <laughs> right, okay. It's really dark, actually. It's a bloody dark film. The second one can't remember it to be honest and it's very 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 depressing 1999 strange planet jesus jesus yeah it starts getting better from now trust me okay Two, okay. 2003 i'm leaving out some of the big hitters as well 2003 mm-hmm. ned kelly james yes, james is it Guy Pearce? This is not Guy Pearce. Oh, I thought you were going to say it is Guy Pearce. <laughs> I excited. I thought I had scored. I was wrong. Oh. I was wrong. 2004, two films for 2004, The Assassination of Richard Nixon and I Heart Huckabees. Oh, God. This is, is it, just give us a clue. Is it an actor or an actress? <laughs> it, it, is, it is an act, actor or actress. Yes, you're correct. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> it is not a director or producer or someone in the background. <laughs> James, is it Tony Collette? No, it is not Tony Collette. Can't even two... make a guess at any of these films. Yeah. Another another two films from 2005, uh, The Ring 2 and King Kong. James. Yes, James. <laughs> oh, I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> it is Naomi Watts. It's going through every single Antipodean actress I can think of. Got there in the end. There we go. Two nil. I can't believe she's Tank Girl. Wow. Tank Girl. Two nil to James. Oh, and you needed to get that because we might have. We've, we're not going to have a lot of time to watch Cutthroat Island. <laughs> she, she played Jet Girl in, in Tank Girl, uh, not the title role. Um, that, <laughs> the, Thanks for clearing that, that one. Up. That that was Laurie Petty who played the title role. Course, it wasn't. It yeah. was not Ice Cube who was in Tank Girl, but Ice T. Oh, the, oh, it's the rappers with the yeah, <laughs> Ice names. Naomi Watson, because I always thought she was. Like quite young, but if she was in a film in what was it, 1986? She was born in 1968. Wow. Really? Blimey. That's Eleven years older than me. That makes her ancient. That's according to <laughs> that's according to Wikipedia, which could be wrong. Yeah. It makes her 45. Oh. So. Looks good. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Uh, so that that's the quiz, and James is tuning up. Uh, so it could all be over for Owen next week. Oh, unless, unless, I, unless I pick some obscure actor from a zombie film or John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, uh, Willie. Yes. <laughs> no, no probably not. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the news now. And the biggest news, of course, is the Oscar nominations for 2014 have been released. Yes, um, they were released a few days after the Golden Globes Awards. I think they were released the day kind of after we'd recorded our last podcast. So it might seem a little bit like old news, but I think it's worth having another look at that. Um, Starting off with the people who did well uh, and the films who did well. Well, Best Picture is a bit weird these days because there's nine nominees. So obviously all of those did well. And I I don't think there's any big (laughs) film that missed out on Best Picture that we were expecting. Anyone? Not that I can think of, anyway. But certainly not after the Golden Globes and everything mm. like that. So came into Best Actor, um, Christian Bale, Bruce Dern, Leonardo DiCaprio, which I think was <coughs> a bit of a surprise, but I'm, spoiler alert, quite happy with that. Um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave and Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, who also in the last week picked up the Screen Actors Guild uh, Best Actor Award as well. So he's picked up Golden Globe and the SAG as well leading into this. He's got to be looking like... Mm. Well, it's between him and Chuetel, isn't it, I think? Yeah. I really, I mean, again, going back to the spoiler alert, you know, I really hope it's DiCaprio's year because I think he was brilliant in Wolf of Wall Street. But he, McConaughey's got a, a massive amount of men, momentum behind him at the minute. So big, yeah. big that kind of... Swung... Big competition this year for him with, with McConaughey and Edge of Four. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a real bad, and you know Christian Bale um isn't gonna win, uh but he yeah you know, I'm glad he got a nomination, and then you've got Bruce Dern in Nebraska, and that's a fantastic performance as well. So it's a really really strong group. I will say I'm not gonna review it now. I have seen Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. I saw that this week. Our review will be out in a couple of weeks' time when we've all had a chance to see it. But I, all I will say is that. Yeah, he deserves all the hype he's getting at the moment. It's an incredible performance, and I can see why he's picking up these I'm, awards I'm here. I'm sure so, we'll come on to that more when we review Dallas Buyers Club. But mm. do you think 
what why has he started to make good films rather than just shit rom-coms and reign of fire yeah i know and and that sahara that was a terrible yeah. film as well was that, with, that was um, with one of the quades wasn't it yes dennis i believe not randy <laughs> i believe it was a dennis quaid <laughs> film um I, yeah i've i've no idea um how or why he started picking up he just decided to get some interesting roles but he either he changed agents or he felt he was rich enough and he wanted to do some interest because most of these films that he's been doing recently have been quite low budget indie films mm. um like his yeah dallas buyers club's not a not a big film in terms of its budget uh you've got films like killer joe again very very small budget film um link uh the lincoln lawyer was pretty small budget he's not really been in a in a blockbuster even wolf of wall street wasn't actually a huge budgeted film and it, and it wasn't um, like he had a, a massive he was only in it for five no, he's minutes got, so. yeah he's not got a massive role in that <laughs> but mud very low budget bernie richard Linklater film very low budget he's he's chosen some interesting projects finally and it's paying off because he's really he's a very charismatic man when he gets the opportunity to do it with a proper script and with an interesting character the only kind of criticism i could lay at him at the moment because uh, my personal belief is he is the most consistently brilliant actor currently working in hollywood i can't i think about nine nine films nine performances i've seen in the last two or three years and every single one of them has been brilliant in very good films generally as well um the only thing i would say is he's got the same accent in every film <laughs> and um but in a way you, do you know what if if you don't need to if maybe he just can't do accents and he's just sticking with what he knows accents isn't acting is it that's you know it's a skill but he's putting in brilliant performances with that texas drawl so uh no there's that and um i've not seen it yet but he's also in true detective isn't he with woody harrelson the new hbo tv series which is it's following again it's more actors going into tv my understanding is each season um is about a criminal is about one single it's about a single criminal case over decades but each season has different detectives picking up the case um so it's a very interesting mm. sounding concept and i've heard very good things about it as well um so yeah mcconaughey doing brilliant and as someone you know we obviously can't claim credit for this i just love the term the mcconaissance um and <laughs> did you make yeah, that up I didn't know. I wish I could claim credit for it. Even Matthew McConaughey spoken about it on the Mark Commode uh, podcast when he was interviewed. He really likes the term as well. It's a great term. And it is just this idea that he went from from rom-coms where the poster was him leaning on another woman every single time to these films. I, it's diff- In a way, I kind of hope he wins the Oscar. A, because his Dallas Buyers Club performance is incredible. And B... Because I think it would actually, uh, it would send out a really good signal to say, do you know, if an, if as an actor you decide to challenge yourself and take these interesting roles, you'll get rewarded for it. Um, did, did he but, did he explain in that interview why he's changed, or did he not just he just said I've changed? Did he not say he, why? He 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 couldn't really put a finger on it himself. Um, I think part of it being he doesn't want to slag off the work that he did before or, or, you know, or, the, or the people or the people he worked with probably. all the people he worked mm. with exactly he doesn't want to go i can't believe i made those films with j-lo and kate hudson sarah and jessica kate. parker exactly um i Randy so he's not slag that time off <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the lesser known quaid yeah. in steve's world the lesser yeah. known quaid um so i think he's i think he's reluctant which is quite professional to be honest not to go oh, i was making a load of shit for years 
Um, which is what Danny Dyer did recently, which is quite funny. Mm. Um, but, he, but he's great in East End as he suits that role to a T. Exactly. So uh, maybe we've got the the Danny Dyer-sons coming up soon, <laughs> something like that. Maybe he's going to start doing some really going to pop roles. up in the corridor, crazy. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> if Danny Dyer ever wins an Oscar, mm-hmm. I will donate a thousand pound to charity. Challenge set. Go on, Danny Dyer. Prove us wrong. <laughs> Prove, prove me wrong, Danny Dyer. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think he's got to a stage in his life where he's just decided to ease off and have some fun with his roles and it's really worked out for him. So yeah, best best actor looks... Yeah, it's a great it's a great selection of candidates, isn't it? Um, and the same with best actress, although it's difficult to see beyond Kate Blanchett winning and she's, what is she, nine to one on or something like that? Mm. Really difficult to see beyond her. But yeah, again, you look at the caliber of actresses we've got there sandra bullock for gravity judy dench for philomena meryl street for august osage county and amy adams for american hustle so you know and for me it's really good to see philomena picking up a few noms because i really enjoyed that film. i know you did as well didn't you Owen? oh yeah i think it's brilliant i'm really glad as well um oh. although I, I i wasn't that sure about whether judy dench would get nominated for an oscar or not but I mean, yeah, I'm pleased that she that she's been nominated. Yeah. I don't think she'll win, but you know. No, she won't win. It's been it's got a best picture nomination as well, which is really it, good. For in a, a, in yeah. a way, with the, with the actresses in a leading role, is it mm-hmm. is it more of a case of their obviously the the ones who are in there? I've only seen a couple of the films that you know have got a nomination. Mm-hmm. But is it is it not a case of there not being that many films with good or great female performances or roles this year? Why does it, you know? Um, I don't know because I've seen four of them. I haven't seen Meryl hmm. Streep yet, and obviously she's Meryl Streep, yeah. so it's, you know, it's, yeah, she's kind of gets a nomination yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the other, but she is brilliant. So yeah, I, I really like Meryl Streep. I know she gets yeah. a bit of a kick in and in sort of recent years, but I still think yeah. she's brilliant. Um, but you know, the other four, I, I, I think we're really good actually. Um, that that. Yeah, in other years they'd be Oscar nominated. Yeah. I, I honestly think all four of them. Also, um, Emma Thompson missed out for Saving Mr. Banks, and I think that was a great performance as well. Um, uh, Adele Exotropolis for Blue is the Warmest Colour. Uh, the film itself wasn't um, eligible for these awards because it was released too late for the Best Foreign Language, but she was eligible for Best Actress, and she could easily have got how do, how uh, does that, a nomination. How does that, for that. work? Oh God, the best foreign language rules are fucking ridiculous, to be honest. Um, that it needs to be released in the United States, I believe, or it's some, its country, or, or its home country it needs to be released in its home country before the 30th of September for some reason. So how? Um, so I, I give up. I just don't yeah, understand so why, 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 why you're allowed in one one lot and not another. Um, yeah, best foreign language because they have to whittle, because they've got a huge long whittling down process and they've got a long list. They need a longer period of time to work that down. Plus, each country each country submits its own uh, best film and then they choose out of the best one from each country. So France, the French account, the French equivalent of the Academy. So in the UK, it's the BAFTAs, but the French equivalent of that chooses their nomination and then the Oscars take all of those and then pick out their best ones. Obviously, because that that whole period takes ages, they have to have an earlier cutoff time, which is why The Hunt has been nominated this year, despite the fact that it was in last year's BAFTA Awards. And despite the fact that I saw it about 15 months ago, 
and not at a special festival, just in the cinema. Um, but because it was after September last, oh, it's nonsense. Um, but best actresses can be released any time up until I think it's Christmas Eve or something like that. It's something, yeah. You know, so, so that's why. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think again, it's a really strong group and. And again, I think all the acting ones are, are really good this year. Actor in a supporting role. I've still not seen Captain Phillips. I'm going to before I, the Oscars. I think, but... think Barkard Adby, who, who is, mm. is nominated from that, probably stole the show. I think Owen probably mm. agrees with me on that. Mm. He, he, even though Tom Hanks was good in it, he was better. Yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm really pleased he's been nominated just because I think that shows, you know, it's nice to see an unknown actor get that that opportunity and i've heard very very good things about him but you've also got uh fassbender in 12 years a slave who's fantastic in that film jared leto in dallas buyers club who is absolutely phenomenal in that jonah hill in the wolf of wall street i, I bloody love jonah hill again spoiler alert i really enjoyed jonah hill's performance in the wolf well, of wall well, street like, as well. like mcconaughey he's even though jonah hill's probably done it kind of since he got into film mm. he's he's challenging himself with roles where yeah. he started off in comedy i mean made his breakthrough in super bad really yeah and he's known for comedies more than anything mm-hmm. he's you know with Moneyball and wolf of wall street he's really kind of definitely taking on a challenge rather than just going right i could i could stick to comedies like super bad and 21 jump street and the watch and that things like that and just plod along make quite a lot of money impress people but just quite you know steady but no he's, he's going and you know really mm-hmm. trying to challenge himself yeah and I, doing I, I, well yeah, exactly. So that, uh, you know, and for him to get an Oscar nomination for that, absolutely fantastic. And then actress in a supporting role, Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, kind of really in Kate Blanchett's uh, shadow, both in the film, you know, her character, mm-hmm. uh, but also every, all the talk has been about Blanchett, but she's really, really good in Blue Jasmine. Jennifer Lawrence steals every scene she's in in American Hustle. Um, Julia Roberts, again, not seen that, but um, uh, in August Osage County. But, you know, again, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, yeah. Julia Roberts. Um, June Squibb is absolutely fantastic in Nebraska. And, again, another unknown actor um, who who stole a load of their scenes. Uh, Lupita Ngongo from... Um, sorry, uh, Lupita Ungo, uh, I believe it is, uh, from 12 Years a Slave. So, uh, you know, really, really strong strong categories this year it's going to be very difficult when we do our predictions i think mm. this year i think it's going to be very very difficult uh i, I can't see owen getting i, I don't form, think i'm going to walk it this time again, no. <laughs> um and even going into animated films um we've got frozen uh despicable me too um which both heard i've seen frozen loved it um jerry loved despicable mm. me too um the wind rises uh Miyazaki's last film, which again I've heard really good things. There's a real battle going on there as well. Um, director, you've got David O. Russell, Alfonso Cuaron, Alexander Payne, Steve McQueen, Martin Scorsese. This, I think this has got the makings of a, a really, really good Oscars. And if it's anything like the Globes, I think I don't think there'll be a single film that dominates it. Although interestingly, um, American Hustle has got nominations in all four acting categories the year after David O. Russell did the same thing with Silver Linings Playbook. And before his two films there, you've got to go back to the early 80s before a film got Best Actor, Best Actress, um, and then Best Supporting for each one. Uh, and I think it goes back to 1930-something when a film won all won all of those. But uh, he's clearly doing something right with his actors. And then in Documentary Feature, you've got The Act of Killing. Um, 
and also 20 feet from stardom uh which is playing at glasgow film fest which uh i'll talk about in a second as well but what i will say uh just yeah we talked about everyone doing well great oscars there are a few people who did miss out uh a few films that did miss out which i was really surprised about first one being blackfish not making best documentary bit of a shock for me um and then in best actor we've talked about how how kind of uh competitive it is there but i was very surprised tom hanks i know owen you're not surprised in a in sense of um his actual performance but you were you still a bit surprised that he didn't get a nomination i know you're not the biggest fan of his performance in captain phillips oh, i mean yeah okay it, it's not that i'm not a big it's not fan. a bad one it's a it's yeah. a good performance but it is just tom hanks being tom hanks and the last 10 minutes of the film is kind of overrated a little bit um, mm-hmm. because it's just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks doing the thing that Tom Hanks always does in every Tom Hanks film. But yeah, yeah it is a bit of a surprise that he's not being nominated. Uh, in But you look at the, the competition and actually, if you sort of take into account, it probably isn't that big of a shock. The only one uh, who's a shock who's in actor in a leading role would probably be Christian Bale. I, I did end up seeing American Hustle. Um and I thought he was good. He was a bit Robert De Niro-esque in it. But, yeah, possibly bailout Hanks in wouldn't have been too much of a shock. But, you know, I'm not too too fussed, really. I think I don't think Hanks would have got anywhere near winning anyway. No, I think, I think probably out of that lot, he, he's one of the weakest, which isn't really a criticism. I mean, you must have done something right to get nominated in the first place. But yeah. He's, I, he's he probably if 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 they if you're going to do a list he'd probably come bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, it was like as we talked about on the um the the Foul Critics Awards podcast, I think Jerry admitted as much that it was given mainly as a you know we gave him the best performance award as a you did well in Captain Phillips, you did well in Clay Atlas, and you did well in Saving Mr Banks. So it was an accumulation of those performances rather than just one particular one. So maybe it's not too big of a shock. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I was a bit disappointed by, because I, I genuinely thought he had a, a chance of getting a bit of Academy recognition, was Robert Redford in All His All His Lost. He did pick up a Golden Globe nomination for that. There's been a lot of buzz around him, but he he didn't get that, which also wiped out one of my bets as well <laughs> which, already before it even happened. Mm. So that was kind of annoying. But uh, Daniel Brühl no, as re- well missing out was. Yes, that that was quite. A, yeah, I, I had hopes that he'd pick up a, despite the fact that everyone kept putting him forward for supporting actor, mm. which is weird because in my he's the lead in that film in my opinion. But obviously in a few other award ceremonies it, that was maybe seen as his best chance of winning an award you know yeah. getting the supporting one because it's usually a little bit easier or something like that but uh no that was a a bit of a surprise and i wasn't surprised after what has already happened in the award ceremonies to see that idris elba didn't get one for mandela um but a few months ago i, I think we would have been quite shocked about that yes yeah definitely I mean, I, I am a little bit shocked. I'm, I think it's a bit of a shame as well because he he was brilliant, I thought. Mm. He was really good, not just because it's Mandela the, who he's playing, but because, you know, he, he put in an actually Oscar-nominated worthy performance, if you like. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, it's hard to argue. It's with hard, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and then just very, very quickly, just a foreign language film. 
Um, I think the two big ones that we're looking at really are The Great Beauty from Italy, which again I've heard really good things about and I want to try and watch before the ceremony, and The Hunt from Denmark, which I'm a big fan of. Um, you've seen it, haven't you, Owen? Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, The Hunt's the one I'm cheering on because it's the only one of the five I've seen, but I did genuinely really enjoy it as well. It's one of my favourite films from the last not last year the year before yeah. so uh but there's a film but, from palestine been nominated hasn't there yes yeah a film from palestine and a film from cambodia as well yeah. so it's um it's quite uh, open yeah. Yeah, yeah it is um and i think i believe the film from cambodia um our man uh, uh liam pennington has at least seen the trailer for that one because he mentioned it in his mm, he did writer he picked that one out before the short list was there he picked that one out from his long list yeah. he said it would be an interesting double bill with the act of killing so uh yeah, it sounds quite a depressing um, film in that case. But... Shall, shall we uh, move on from the Oscar chat yes. now, or else we'll be here all night, and <laughs> yes. uh, go on to James is telling us what's going on with him at Glasgow Film Festival, which we've been invited yes. to once again. This very evening, the film programme for Glasgow Film Festival was released. Um, we've got the it's opening with the gala UK premiere of Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm very disappointed I won't be able, I'm not in Glasgow in time to catch that. And I also leave Glasgow just before the closing gala of um, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin starring Scarlett Johansson, which I'm very excited about as well. So I'm a bit disappointed I'm missing those two films. However, um, I picked out five that I, I'm immediately going to sort out tickets to because uh, I've already got myself a little early bird. I'm buying some tickets as well uh, while I'm up there because um, I want to make sure I get these. So uh, the five films that I picked out really instantly from reading the press release uh tonight is uh the zero theorem the new film from uh terry gilliam starring christopher Voltz. uh sci-fi film quite excited about that the double richard is it aod i'm always doing this him from the yeah <laughs> Yeah. I oh, want well, yeah. Uh the double starring uh Jesse Eisenberg. Um so excited about that one. Mood Indigo, which is the new Michelle Gondry film starring Audrey Tato. I'm in love there already. Twenty Feet from Stardom, the Oscar nominated uh documentary about backing singers behind the world's greatest stars. And it's a it's a, a look at the the people who are just in the background all the time. That sounds really, really good. And it's Oscar nominated as well, so that's great. And then as ever, the GFF surprise film, which last year was Spring Breakers and I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good film. However, uh this year it could be anything. If if you asked me to guess right now, um when I went to see I think it was when I went to see Wolf of Wall Street or possibly 12 Years Slave. No, 12 Years Slave. I saw a trailer for the new Martin McDonough film, uh, Calvary, uh, starring Brendan Gleeson. That really looks like a Glasgow Film Festival film. Uh, it's about a priest who hears in confession that someone's going to come back and kill him within a week. And he's got a week to put his affairs in order. It looks quite a dark uh, comedy drama from the guy who wrote the guard so i think that fits into glasgow film festival really well so that if i had to have a guess that would be my guess and if it is i'll be very happy and yeah just to let everyone know we're going to be up there i'm going to be up there other people are going to be up there again i'm meeting up with some of our old scottish buddies from last time uh i'm going to do some podcasting from up there we're going to be there at brewdog again brewdog glasgow looking after us and we've actually got i'm not going to say who it is yet because you never i don't want to jinx anything but we've got actual genuine 
celebrity guests. Genuine comedy celebrity guests. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. Uh, we'll have a break there. We'll be back with what we've been watching shortly. Uh, what we've been watching then, where we tell you what films we've been watching in the last week or so, not necessarily a new release. And Owen, why don't you, you start us off? Yeah, okay. Um, well, as always happens when uh, I watch a Martin Scorsese film, uh, in this case we went to see Wolf of Wall Street, um, I sort of craved another one. And as The Last Temptation of Christ was on TV recently, uh, which is one of his films I've never actually seen before, released in 1988, I thought well, I might as well just give it a go. Um, it's, uh, as you can probably tell from the title, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about uh, him being constantly tested by God or either being tempted by the devil. And when it came out in 1988, it's based on a, on a, on a book um, by a guy called, I'm really sorry, Nikos Kazantzakis. I think that's how you pronounce it. A Greek guy, basically, um, released in the 50s, the novel. It's a sort of direct adaptation of that. Uh, it was very controversial, um, and I can't really explain too much about why it was so controversial without spoiling certain aspects of the film. But suffice to say, it changes certain aspects of the, the, the Bible. It makes a point at the very beginning of the film that it says this is not sort of gospel. This is just a story about Jesus. So from from that moment on, you kind of... It sets it up very nicely, so you, you, you're not fully aware of what is actually going to happen. And the, the whole film's basis, really, is about um, this divine man being tested and his desires and what what does he want as a human being? He may be the son of God, but what is it that drives him? What What's the temptations he encounters in everyday life? Um, so it, it, from that perspective... Um, it is quite quite interesting, and I can see why it is notorious and why it was controversial, because it's bound to offend, uh, particularly towards the end of the film. It is bound to offend some people who may be a bit sensitive to that. Um, but, you know, it stars Willem Dafoe as Jesus, and I honestly think he was really good in it. Um, from what I gather the generally held consensus appears to be that he's, his performance has been a little bit overshadowed by the controversy that surrounded the film when it was released and that is a bit of a shame because he, he does get to show how good of an actor he is in it um, he has to do a, just a completely wide range of different uh, scenes um, from sort of more sensitive more um, almost romantic scenes if you like to through all the way through to being just blissful and then the complete opposite end of being angry and, and vengeful. So he, he's got a, a very varied uh, role and he he does it all very well, I think. Um, the only criticism I really have, and it's not specifically him who I have the criticism of with regards to the performances, um, more than that everyone seemed to be doing it. So I, I can't tell whether it's something Scorsese was doing intentionally or whether it was just quite bad editing. But every character's got a very... When they're talking, there are very long gaps between people responding to each other. And I know that seems a bit strange, but when you watch it, you see that one character will say something, then there's a long pause, <laughs> and then someone else say something. And it's just a bit 
jarring, and I, I don't know why they did it and what the point of it was. Um, but it didn't help either that the, the dialogue in it was really pretty crap. I, I know you've got to kind of make exceptions for it because it's set in like oldie times and <laughs> they probably didn't have a huge vocab anyway, never mind the fact that some of them talk in English accents and some of them talk in American accents and you've got Harvey Keitel sounding like Harvey Keitel, you know, but it's, um, yeah, the dialogue in it is really poor. So that didn't really help it. Um, and I, I know another criticism people have of the film is it's quite long. I mean, it is a Scorsese film. You do kind of expect them to go on a bit. Um, It's about 190 minutes, I think, in total. Possibly, no, possibly a bit less than that. But I I didn't think it felt like a slog. Sometimes you get these long films and they they go on for ages and it drags. But it didn't really drag. It was fine. It has to cover a lot of of Jesus's life from getting voices in his head telling him he's the son of God through to the crucifixion and stuff. So, yeah, I mean... I kind of expected it to be quite long anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it, 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 was, it was a good film. It could have been better. Um, th- there are aspects of it that I quite enjoyed. But I think as a, as a film, it's probably not one of his best technically. There isn't that. There isn't any particular scene which is one which is a wow moment that you sometimes get with with Scorsese's films. I think 90 percent mm. of them. They have something in it that's very striking and, and makes it stand out as a Scorsese film. This seemed to be shot fairly ordinarily, which isn't necessarily a criticism of most directors, but because it's Scorsese, it's just got that bit of extra expectation on it. Um, so it failed to deliver on that. But yeah, I mean, as a story, it it was quite interesting. Could have been better, but could quite easily have been worse. I think it's repeated on on film four quite a lot at the minute. It was on at least twice last week. Um, okay. So if you are sort of a fan of Scorsese, that's where I saw it on film four. So you know, if you're a fan of Scorsese, you want to check out some of his older work, then yeah, this wouldn't be the worst place to start. Okay. Uh, film I watched this week. I was starting to watch the way way back, which I was really enjoying, and then my copy went funny and I couldn't see the rest of it. So based on the first half hour, it's brilliant. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but the film I did actually watch all of was a 2012 uh, film, The Impossible, uh, set around the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, starring uh, Naomi Watts from the aforementioned quiz and Ewan McGregor. Um, and it is based on a true experience of the, the. This is where I wish Jerry was here to pronounce Spanish properly. Um, <laughs> the the Balon family. That's probably near enough, right? Um, who 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 were caught up in the, in the tsunami in 2004? Uh, they were on they were on a Christmas holiday. Uh, they were from Spain and they got you know mixed up and separated in it. And, and you know the films about them finding each other in the aftermath of it, as well as kind of looking at the initial aftermath of of the disaster and the area they're in. Um, <coughs> start off with with the only kind of negative, so I did enjoy the film. I didn't really see, because in the film, they've, they've obviously, it's obviously based, well, it is on the experience of a Spanish family, hmm. but other than, uh, you know, they've changed it to a, an English or a British family. I mean, the names, other than that of Ewan McGregor's character, the, the, the names, they've kind of anglicised the, the, the Spanish names of, the, of hmm. the wife, Maria, and the children. But they've, they've, you know, given them an English surname and they make them a Bennett family. I think you could have left that a lot more 
ambiguous and didn't need to kind of even give them a nationality, as it were. I, I know, mm. I know the need to kind of bring in um, big name actors to kind of get the story across and get the kind of pull and the audience to film. If it was, you know, a Spanish film, Spanish language with Spanish actors, no disrespect to them and the Spanish film industry, mm. it wouldn't have made the impression it did. It wouldn't have been made because it mm. was it was actually quite an expensive film to make. I, yeah. uh, a, a Spanish film wouldn't have, would just never would have. So yeah, no, I I agree but, with but you, I, Steve. I, I think. But I think I, I think they could have been more kind of ambiguous. Didn't even have to put a surname in. Then they could just say at the yeah. end of the film, well, we didn't change anything. The names are the same. We've just you know put it in English language so we can get a bigger audience, more money, and, and show this this story that we want to tell. Um, but then Maria herself who it happened to was apparently really involved with the making of this film so mm. she was obviously happy with it so who am I to criticise if she's happy with, <laughs> if she's happy with it and it happened to her then I can't really slag it off can I yeah. um, the performances you know it, it looks it looks brilliant I mean it's a disaster film I can't really say it looks brilliant but you know the actual effects of the tsunami mm. it, it looks realistic it's portrayed well the aftermath it, you can actually believe that it's it's not bad special effects it, it looks realistic it looks believable um and I think the, 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 everyone acts well in it, but the main two are, are Naomi Watts and, and her old, the oldest son in the film, Tom Holland, are mm. both brilliant. And when those two are, because yeah. those two get separated from the dad and the two younger sons. So it's, you know, until towards the end of the film, it's Naomi Watts you know, playing Maria and the oldest son, and then separately the dad and the two youngest sons. Mm. And when Naomi Watts and, and Tom Holland are together, and, and doing their bit on screen, they're both absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know Naomi Watts got uh, Academy Award nominated and Golden Globe nominated for this film, uh, and she definitely deserved it. I'm not sure who won the awards in that year, but and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but she she definitely deserved the, the nomination. And Tom Holland, like I said, was, was brilliant. I don't know if he's gone on to things since or is, is just kind of another. I'm sure he will. It's only been a year. I'm sure yeah. he'll. Because yeah. um, there's child labour laws. They can't, you know, child actors can't actually do that much because they're still meant to continue with their education. Just, their is this something like called the Macaulay Culkin law or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly what it, what it is. <laughs> it's Tom to Holland prevent them was... turning into weird drug yeah. losers. <laughs> They've seen Macaulay Culkin and Frankie Muniz and just thought, no, nah, we've got to stop this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure those laws aren't in place in America and that's why all the American child actors end up complete not jobs uh, right. uh, uh shia labeouf for example yeah. <laughs> the biggest of the yeah. lot but no headbutting uh, we... people in pubs recently apparently but, uh, brilliant yeah. <laughs> anyway. i agree with you steve those performances are absolutely fantastic i, mean, I, 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 I think it i think it doesn't keep up the same level of drama when it switches to the dad and the two youngest sons i think i, I think the most tension and drama and and good performances are, are you know the, the mum and the oldest son, but then you don't you see them initially after as soon as a kind of tsunami's happened. You don't really see you know you and McGregor and the two youngest sons getting out of the the ways essentially, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. You kind of see them a little bit, you know, a few hours or whatever it is down the road once it's all calmed down a bit essentially. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, although what I would say is um. Ewan McGregor's, uh, there, there is a scene uh, where Ewan McGregor, and I think it was like a bit in the trailer or something like that. I won't go too much. It's a scene with uh, with a cell phone and Ewan McGregor and yeah. 
that is the best I've seen you and McGregor act possibly since train spotting. Um, that that really emotional scene. And actually, this film, you all know that I get quite emotional at films. No. I think I I think I <laughs> sobbed for about half of this film and then walked home and just walked in the door and could barely say anything and hugged my family. Because, and they were like, what the hell is wrong with you, basically? And I'm like, I, just, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just so glad I you're mean, home. <laughs> it's that kind of film. The, the only other, well, another criticism I've heard about it is that some people say it doesn't, doesn't really show the, the story of, or mm-hmm. give, give an impression of what the locals yeah. went through. Yeah. And it's just the kind of story of a, a middle-class white family caught up in a tsunami. Yeah. Um, does it, you know, it doesn't really hold up for me because it's a fantastic story. You know, mm. and it probably happened to a number of, a couple of different, you know, a number of families, but, you know, split up in the aftermath of disaster, find each other and go through all this. But it, it does show how, how the local people were so kind of helpful and how they just kind of yep. got, it's got on with it. Yeah. Got on with things. Yeah. And, and as well as that, there, there's, there's lots of really good documentaries that have been made over this thing where you can see how the locals and, and the people of, of the various countries affected have, have got on with their lot and got on with the aftermath and that and there's loads of other other things that you can you can look at or read surrounding this but this this one story is just a center point of 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 the whole situation and if they were going to sort of show what was happening in various places around it it's going to end up a bit day after tomorrow if you know what i mean mm. where they sort yeah. of go all right here's here's the quaid bloke going off to find his son in 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 new york <laughs> the <Quaid again>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know but then oh, we'll go off to here's the helicopter trying to fly find mm. the queen to balmoral or oh, here's uh australia getting the worst weather yeah. ever here's japan getting massive hailstones here you know yeah. this that and the other it's, it's going to kind of take the film in that direction and then no matter how good the, the acting performances are in it it's going to take something away from the film. I agree with you. Also, the great thing about this film, it's basically a 90-minute film. It's a 90-minute film. It's one story. And and I'm sorry, what's wrong? Cinema's job is to tell stories, and that's what it does. And we will probably discuss a similar criticism when we review Wolf of Wall Street about not showing a wider picture or other victims and things like that. And we'll probably still come up with pretty much the same answer, which is, do you know what? This focused on one certain bit There, as you say, there are documentaries, there were news reports, there are books. There is a wealth of material out there about the wider effects of, of this horrendous natural disaster um, and, and the damage it caused to, nations and people but this is one small story from there and it's a story that in my opinion deserves telling and was told well so i'm glad you enjoyed it steve it's a warning about the um legalization of gay marriage isn't it yes exactly right you could remember said yeah you kept yeah that's exactly right the gays control the weather now now. so so watch out was that when i've made it rain the last four times i played football and i got absolutely drenched (laughs) That's exactly yeah, right. You've offended, offended the gays. Bloody, that I can believe. Bloody gays. That, yes. Uh, James, your film was. Okay. Yes. So, um, well, very, very quick. I did rewatch Glengarry Glen Ross, which I think we've spoken. Someone's I've, reviewed, I've it. reviewed it because I saw it. Okay. I saw it. I can't remember when, but, but yeah. Yeah. And oh God, I still love that so, film. I, I, the reason I, I watched it is because I, I wanted to see a more kind of low key, 
um, less debauched view of of high pressure sales um, as a, as a kind of companion piece to Wolf of Wall Street. So I want Owen went out and found another Scorsese. I wanted to go out and find another film about high pressure sales and how it can turn people into people they don't want to be. That kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I still absolutely love that film. I forgot how how sweary it is which is fantastic uh, but it's simply one of the best ensemble cast performances of all time you've just got so many great actors at the top of their game and loved it however the film i do want to properly talk about is part of my um mission to go around the world in 80 films and i've i was in where was i last time finland and i've stayed in scandinavia this week because you know a bit more believable that way isn't it it's the kind of thing that willie fogg would have done uh, I've travelled from Finland down to Denmark. Just logistically. <laughs> I'm thinking logistics, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's a film from Lars von Trier, which I'd not seen before. And it's a really weird one in his canon. It's it's a kind of madcap comedy, um, <laughs> yeah, which you really don't associate with with the work of Lars von Trier at all. Um, to give you uh, the basic uh scenario behind it it's about a a man called um Raun. uh it's r-a-v-n but everyone calls him round so it must be some danish pronunciation thing anyway he is he owns an it company um but for years he's just pretended that he didn't own it and he was just middle management so he can make all the good decisions and all the popular decisions and every, every bad decision he's ever had to make he's blamed on this absent boss that has never been around this absent owner that lives in america and the time's come he wants to sell he wants to sell this it business to an icelandic uh, man who refuses to deal with stooges um he says if you're dealing with the stooge you're dealing with no one and he's this comedy angry character and so he has to so the the owner of the company has to appear and so this uh this guy hires an actor to play the bo- what they call the boss of it all who he keeps referring to um the trouble is this actor has been out of work for a little bit and he overthinks his role and there, there's some really good comedy scenes actually from it in the fact that he's thinking about his motivation why would he do this he doesn't want to become too uh soap opera and what should just become uh, a couple of hours work uh, becomes the fact that he has to pretend to be the boss for a few weeks to all the staff and um Round himself has over the years been emailing different staff as the boss of it all, uh, but he's come up with loads of different stories. So this guy who doesn't know anything about IT or his stuff is constantly having to think on his feet. And it does sound like it would be a really good madcap comedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice idea, isn't it? Um, and it's obviously a, a really nice idea because uh, Mitch, oh, what's his AD guy? Uh, guy did arrest Mitch Herwig, is that right? Arrested development. Oh yeah, yeah, Mitch Herwig, yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2011, it was announced that he was making, he was doing an American remake of this, which I usually am terrified by the idea of. But actually, having seen this, I'd like to see a more traditional take on this story because I think it's a great story. But you can't get away from the fact that this is Lars von Trier directing this, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna make it easy for you whatsoever. Um, so there's this, there's this odd kind of external narrator who is talking about the generic conventions of comedy. And even at one point halfway through, he says, oh, and then this could happen, but no, this is a comedy. So now we're going to introduce uh, a, an, a surprising character 
Uh, you know, he's, he's talking about how this is a comedy because he's making it a comedy and so and talking about the different camera angles and things like that so it's just that's really weird breaking the fourth wall there the other bizarre thing that i only found out afterwards because i was watching again there's these weird jump cuts everywhere and some very odd choices of camera shots and things like that and yeah it's because Lars von Trier shot it with uh, a piece of equipment called automavision um where basically he sets up a computer in the room, gets the actors to act, and then a computer randomly chooses where to move the camera to, when to zoom it, when to randomly stick cuts in there. It's this bizarre idea. And okay, fair play, Lars, you nut job for <laughs> experimenting. Um, but what that I mean, you just got the, it. You just feel really cold to the film. And there's, unlike, say, for example. Um, Ricky Gervais's The Office, which actually a lot of this feels quite similar. If, you know, if it's about small office politics. Um, it it looks very much like the original uh, TV series The Office, and this is almost the kind of scenario you could imagine possibly coming up in an episode of that uh, of that show. Um, but what you had in there was kind of it it, it invited you in. It, it was it, there was a warmth to it uh, and a, a you could recognize elements of it whereas in this it's it's Lars von Trier keeping you at arm's length and it's just no just let me and I just at the end was thinking Lars I just want to have a laugh come on just go for it um and that's that's the problem because some moments are hysterically funny and then you'll go 10-15 minutes without a joke and it's just you've got a great little setup here um and some bit and I really like the central performances and there are some really, really funny moments. And some of the funniest bits right at the beginning is when the actor's talking about his influence, Gambrini. Uh, and, he, it, you know, it's just, it's a really nice, um, it's a really nice pastiche of um, self-important actors. Uh, you know, the acting process and things like that. So it's very self-referential. It's very self-knowing. However, it just it isn't consistently funny enough to... And even though it's only 90 minutes, I started to get a bit bored during it, which was a shame because elements of it were fantastic. And I kind of admire the the idea of using automavision and letting a computer take over the camera move. You know, it's it's, it's an interesting statement, you know, mm. from coming from the guy who created the dogma film movement. As well. You know, uh, uh, what I do like about Lars von Trier, complete nut job. But at least he's not lazy and he's constantly thinking of ways to challenge himself. He, he's an artist, uh, whether you like it or not. And you might hate his films. And there's very few films that I, he's not, I properly enjoy. But I, I, at least I can sit there and go, oh, it's someone who's trying to be different. He's trying to push the boundaries. And I, I appreciate that. Um, like I say, it was just, it was just a shame that this wasn't funny enough. Um, so I, I feel like I can't really, I can't recommend it as a comedy. Um, but if you're interested in the films of Lars von Trier, it's an absolute must for you because it's one of the only times I've seen him do attempt a kind of out and out comedy. Uh, and like I say, this Autumn of Vision is quite an interesting idea as well. But uh, obviously can't see it catching on. Yeah, it, it was a it was a decent enough film, but it it wasn't great. Excellent. Um, where are you going next then? Do you think you're staying in Scandinavia or are you going to move off? Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I've got a load lined up at the moment. Um, and also, I, I was having a look at the Glasgow Film Festival thing. I found a Kazakhstan film showing at Glasgow Is that Film Festival. Borat? Uh, <laughs> 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 Do 
No, it looks actually like a really dark, kind of really depressing film. But part of me's thinking, yeah, you're not you're not going to get many chances to see a Kazakhstan film, so I'm probably going to go with that. Um, and there was a film, for, there's a, a Greek film. Don't think there's too much Greek cinema out there. A Nigerian film playing at Glasgow Film. So I might use the festival to kind of stock up on a few countries, which I'm going to find it a bit more how, difficult. How are you, so you're going for 80 countries, aren't you? 80 countries, yeah. Because I mean, according to the UN, there's 193. Yeah, so, so I'm uh, less than half. Yeah, should be a piece of piss, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? <laughs> like I, like I said last week, there's always a uh, Nollywood on Sky that you can watch for. That's true, actually. Yeah, maybe I won't need to do Nigeria, <laughs> but although that's probably a good film. Whereas the the Nollywood films on Sky, I'm sure. Are, <laughs> oh Jesus. Uh, anyway, up next is our review of The Wolf of Wall Street. So our new release review this week was The Wolf of Wall Street, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is Jordan Belfort, based on a true story of a stockbroker who um, basically uh, rips everyone off and has has a fantastic lifestyle until things fall down around him. Here's a clip. Can you say that again? Just the way you said it. Just the same way. I don't know what you're talking no. about. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking no, I about. I just say the same thing. I think what Jordan just did is he, if I'm not mistaken, no. you just tried to bribe a federal officer. No, technically no. I didn't bribe anybody. No, no, technically that's not the that's, No, 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 no. According to the U.S. Criminal Code, there needs to be an exact dollar figure for an exchange oh. of services. That would not hold up in the court of law. No, 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 I heard it. No, 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 no. That's the truth. But I want to tell you this. Yeah. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well, you know, when you sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? Yes, yeah, so that was a clip of uh, the Wolf of Wall Street then. Um, where do we want to start with this one? Um... I don't know, because there's a big debate to be had, but do we have, should we review the film first? Yes. And then yes. let's have the debate. Let's review um, the film and the performances first, then let's yeah. debate then. Um, so w- what do we think of the film? I thought it was entertaining, and I, I've made this point to a few other people, uh, uh, that it, it is three hours long, so we've, we've had those trailers during the cinema for three and a half hours. The only other film recently like that is The Hobbit 2, which, you know, obviously, obviously completely different films, but both around the mm-hmm. same length in the cinema for the same time. Even though you kind of knew you were in this film for a long time and they could have cut bits out and made it shorter, you feel like it's less dragged out than that, The Hobbit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, yes. you certainly feel like you're... It's got a great pace. Yes. It's got a really good pace. Yes. Um, and, and I think it helps that the film itself has energy. Um, you, the performances have got real energy. Uh, DiCaprio's got a huge energy. The fact that Scorsese's 74 now, he's 74, mm-hmm. 75. The fact that a man of that age is making a film like this, wow, what incredible energy! For, yeah, that's that's a man who's still living at the top well, of his game. I, I'm well, consider, you're considering right. there is only one main character in this film. This isn't a film mm. that has got a number of main characters. No. DiCaprio carries it at an amazing yeah. pace throughout. He doesn't stop. He is yeah. for three hours. His character is just full of energy and just whether it's good energy or bad energy, it's just nonstop. I, he, 
yeah, he clearly channels what we would expect of someone portraying someone like Jordan Belfort. He he his performance in this is at 100 miles an hour in exactly the same way that Belfort appeared to live his life. If, if um, DiCaprio come out and said, and for our lawyers' purposes, I'm not saying he was, but if DiCaprio come out and said, I was coked up for the whole making of this film, you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah. That's, a, that's a fair. Of course, he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, it's a fair. It's a fair point. Interestingly, apparently, uh, it was originally a six-hour film. Then it was cut down to four hours, and then three. Finally, well, no one would have gone to see it if it was six hours. Regardless no, of who made it and who's in it, no one would. Exactly. But I actually, I'd love to see the six-hour cut of this. I don't think I'll ever. I don't think it'll ever see like day. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a four-hour director's cut of this, and I'd watch that as well. I, I, I don't think the time is an issue here. I know a few people have said it's uh it's a bit bloated, it's a bit sag. Uh, the middle section, if if I had a criticism about its pacing, uh, the middle section where it is literally Jordan Belfort and his people being successful and being dicks to people. Um, but it needs. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it needed but, that. If you did yeah. have that, then it'd be utterly pointless, wouldn't it? You but, need oh. to see him being Belfort and seeing what he did and yeah. how he lived and how he thought of himself and his friends because, and because, family. Because, because even though it's this is based on Belfort's book and it's um you know he's he's involved in the film, he even appears in it as well. But you know he it's it's I don't think you're ever meant to like him or root for him. No. Not yeah, at all. From, no. from, from from the point of um you know basically until as soon as he meets Matthew McConaughey's character up to yeah. then he seems like quite a likable you know just person trying to trying to make you know decent a, ways a wide eyed yeah. ambitious yeah. 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 as, as yeah. soon as he meets Matthew McConaughey he turns into a complete yeah. dick and, and I think yeah. I'm meant to realise that and I don't think I mean obviously I don't think there's any kind of of, of man who would who would not want to live that kind of lifestyle even briefly but i don't think for one minute you're meant to like him or root for him or support him or think hope he gets off or gets out of it well let, yeah, do you know what we, we've gone into it let's have the debate now and then we'll talk about everything else yeah. that we thought was good or bad about the film because we've we've opened up this can of worms and it is it's been a huge albatross around this film's neck i think it's affected its chances of winning big oscars although Performance-wise, it's doing well. I, I don't. It's not going to win Best Picture. Scorsese's not going to win Best Director. And a big part of that has been this campaign around the fact that this. A lot of people accuse the film of at at least condoning the actions of Jordan Belfort, uh, mainly saying that because it doesn't show the victims, it doesn't show what happened to the people that they ripped off. Um, that they don't exist, which, you know, the fact that you know they do. Uh, <laughs> but that is a big thing, is the fact that it revels in its own debauched behaviour. And it doesn't help. It's, the, it's that... not meant to be a film about them, though. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We've spoken about that now. I mean, it doesn't help, though, that um, big finance companies have been buying out hmm. cinema screens and their staff have been going there and apparently cheering at all the moments where most normal people are sickened to their but, stomach but, but, by the action. But then, but then that's the kind of people they are. That's the industry yeah. they work in. That's the kind of ethics they have. So you know, if you if you if you took um, a load of if, of if you know if if once I don't know. Let's let's think of an extreme. But let's say a, a racist organisation booked out a cinema screen in which for at least part of the film racists were, were looking. Like, let's say yeah. they did it in yeah, yeah. 
I know, I know exactly. They'll I know probably start magic. cheering at that kind of bit as well. Yeah. So. If, it, if anything, it just sort of proves the point that the film is making. If it is ma- trying to make can, a point, you know. I completely agree on that. I think there is... Um, the fact is, anyone who comes out of this film kind of rooting for the character of Jordan Belfort needs to have a really long, hard look at themselves. Because, I mean, because it, he's, a, he's a complete prick in this. He, in fact, he's monstrous at he, times. Even at, even at the end, he he screws over his mates who he was the one who got them in this situation in the mm. first place. He was the one who employed them, who created this, who, who this, this entity, this business, who scripted them, who taught them, who you know, mentored them, who, who led this thing. And then, and yeah. then he, and then he screws them all over. There's a moment about two thirds of the way through the film where you think he's learned a lesson and you think he's going to, and, and and no he doesn't because he's, he's he's a dick of monumental proportions and it's different in a lot of ways this film shares similar parallels with goodfellas uh, as yeah there's there are huge similarities between the films and i don't mean that in the because I, I, I love goodfellas anyway you you've not only got the, the kind of narration uh of, of a main character and the rise into what is essentially a criminal criminal empire um but Henry Hill, even at his worst times, that you could understand bits of why Henry Hill was the character he was. Um, and there were even bits in Goodfellas, after he's done some unspeakable things, you know, he's murdered people, that you've got some sympathy for the character. I can't believe anyone watches Wolf of Wall Street and has any sympathy whatsoever for Jordan Belfort. And if that, for me, Scorsese's done his job there. He had, he literally just held a mirror up to the finance industry. And portrayed it apparently slightly toned down, according to people who've read uh, the original book. Um, some of the stuff that they've ha- that's happened in this film, they've had to mm. tone down slightly from what happened in real life. Um, so anyone who says that the film celebrates the, uh, Jordan Belfort is, I don't, I don't know where they're getting that idea from. Um, and anyone who thinks, uh, well, again, going back to this idea that the film needs to show the victims now very very different film very different and maybe i'm going to offend loads of people by making this comparison here but i couldn't help thinking of the film downfall about the last days of adolf hitler right you don't need to see the concentration camps in that film you don't need to see the millions of no, people you, that you, he exterminated you know hitler's a nasty you know bastard. about it yeah exactly <laughs> and you know that millions of people lost money the film explains to you that just because you don't see them crying into their repossessed cars or anything like that, if you don't realise that they exist... And the thing is, part of me thinks, actually, that's very clever because they didn't exist in Belfort's mind. So exactly. why should they exist in this film? Um, it's all about him as a, 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 a... You know, whatever you think of him as a real person. He's a he's a film character. And yeah. the, the point of the story is to tell it from his perspective and how he sees it. Exactly. Him. I think, Which is I why think he other... doesn't even acknowledge when he's being, um, you know, when justice is served, if you like, because it's not really to him. It's just like, oh, well, I just no. went to prison for all day. It was, just, yeah. it was all right. It, yeah. And, and if you, if you come from the point of view that this is Jordan Belfort's story, that all makes perfect exactly. sense. The only criticism I've then got is um, the fact that you're giving a platform to someone like Jordan Belfort. Um, you could argue you're giving him enough rope to hang himself, basically. The only thing I've... I was going to say, do you think, because this film is, is... He's obviously been involved with the making of this film, and it was based, yeah. it was based on his own book. 
but it makes him he claims he made no money from the selling but, but, of his rights. But anyway, it makes him out to be a complete dick. Do you think he mm. realizes this film makes him out to be a complete dick? And do you think because obviously he may have changed, he's obviously can't go back in the same industry. In the film, it makes a point that he went sober and stopped doing drugs and everything. Do you think he realizes that during that time he was a dick? And do you really do you think this no. film put you know makes him you know, or do you think he's watching this film back? Thinking, oh look how brilliant I was. Do you think he look watches this film and thinks, God, I was a right twat, wasn't I? No, no I honestly think he watches that film, and goes, oh, I made a few mistakes. Worst thing I did was get caught. Yeah. I honestly think that's probably. And, but yeah, that's my one my one criticism and the one stick that someone could beat it with is the fact that they make him such a monster, but still give him a part, you know, a small part in the film. Which that was probably down to him, wasn't it? He gives him a bit. He was he was probably you're, you're not using. My book. He sold the rights yeah. ages ago. He sold the rights a long, long time ago. It's been in development for a little while. Um, I, d- I d- no, he he wasn't in a position to make that. <coughs> I, he, that's I, I I don't know how or why they came to a decision to allow him to be in the film. But I I do think that I, I, although I hope... it doesn't personally make me feel antagonistic towards the makers, I think what they've done is they've given they've given critics a bit of an easy stick to beat them I with. Hope, I hope they didn't I hope they give. put him in it because. You know, it is a funny film. I hope it's kind of a, a meta kind of joke from Scorsese and the people who made it laughing at him, having one last laugh at him by putting him in it. Quite possibly. It, it, it's, it's like, it's like the... lowest of the low. He's like running sales seminars. Yeah. You know, he, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, he is one of the, possibly. yeah. I hope it's kind of like one last dig at him and he doesn't even realise because he's so up his own ass. Yeah. Also, it does make you realise that Leonardo DiCaprio was very generous casting when you actually saw him. <laughs> it made me think, yeah, actually, yeah, you shouldn't have had you should have had Jonah Hill play. <laughs> but anyway, um, but Leonardo, let's get on. So yeah, let, we put that one to bed. It doesn't condone the finance industry and all that nonsense. Good. Let's go on to the good things about the film then. We, Owen, you mentioned DiCaprio. Um, yeah. He gets to be really funny. He gets to be funny. I've not seen him be funny before. Not, not, not like this. No. Well, I think I mentioned his his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes, where he sort of j- jokingly thanked his fellow nominations for the best comedy category. Yeah. And he was sort of joking about it. He, he actually, he he's very funny. He, he's hilarious yeah. at times in yeah. this. And some brilliant physical comedy, which is you know fantastic. There is a particular kind of sequence. Yes. Um. A sort of which car all journey, which, um... a car journey and uh you know quaaludes <laughs> and that is, is is some of that is some of the best physical comedy i've seen mm. for a long time actually and it, it could in the wrong hands that could have been quite painful and stupid um but no it was it was compulsive viewing and and that was great he's got some really good timing but at the moments that he needed some darkness and some proper acting mm-hmm. That was there as well. And there's, um, you know, one of my favorite scenes was one of the far more low key scenes. It's the first time that the FBI agent played by Carl Chandler, who is um, investigating him, they meet on uh, Belfort's yacht yeah. and Belfort's invited him there against all all advice uh, because he he thinks he's invincible. And during the course of that conversation, you can just see in DiCaprio's eyes, his character, you can see Belfort suddenly realize there's almost a moment and you actually pretty much see the blood drain out of his face when he realizes he's out of his depth mm. and things aren't going quite his way and the way he turns that's fantastic dramatic acting uh and he 
he runs the gamut in this film. And like you say, just the pure energy yeah. of the mask. I also really, one thing that normally annoys me in films, I know it's completely irrational, but narration usually annoys me. I quite liked him breaking the fourth wall and sort of turning to the camera and explaining things and making little quips. It, it worked. Some, it was something different, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. And again, yeah, that, that was good fun. And it it felt... It felt in spirit with the film. Yeah. It felt like it wasn't uh, just a tool to move things along. Because, right. in fact, he could have used that to explain a lot of stuff. But the moments where he he starts explaining how the scam works and goes, oh, you don't want to know anything about that. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was quite nice. Um, uh, yeah. And you know, Leo, fantastic. But how many other brilliant performances were in there? It was Joe, it, Jonah Hill you were talking about earlier was very yeah. good. Yeah. I really, really liked who who managed to be funny. Um, but also, you know, showed his his acting chops as well. Uh, Carl Reiner as Jordan Belfort's dad was brilliant. Uh, Jordan Belfort's angry accountant dad. Matthew McConaughey's very very small scenes, absolutely fantastic as well. I, you know, loving McConaughey at the moment. Margot Robbie as his second wife was not only incredibly stunning. I'm sorry, it sounds horribly sexist that I'm even pointing that out, but she's actually genuinely stunning. It's not just like there's a pretty genuinely stunning in this film, but as the film wears on, she really comes into her own as well. Didn't she used to be in neighbors or something? Yeah, she was. She yeah. Was she's neighbors, Australian. But, yeah. But no, she was, she was great. But, Joanna Lumley. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, a, a huge cast and I, I bet other people have um, hit the cutting room floor. Oh, and um, Jean Jouardin, um as well from The Artist as a yeah. sleazy Swiss banker who really got to enjoy himself in his, his role. You you get the feeling. A perfect. Um, no comment on yeah. his person. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, yes. But. Yeah, exactly. No, but he he was, he was fantastic yeah. in that role. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I also and, thought what was good about the comedy aspect of it, just I know dragging it back to that when we're talking about them, but it, it wasn't it, it it was satirical, but it wasn't patronizingly satirical, if you know what I mean. No. There were I know it's been compared as well to things like Wall Street, the mm. the original Wall Street film, which I really liked. I've talked about it on here before, but I think it's a brilliant film. But that even that has something like Martin Sheen's character who's the moral conscience of the, of the film. Whereas this, just absolutely forget it. It's not going to censor anything. It's not going to glorify anything either. This is just them doing what they do, which itself is a satire on that lifestyle. And it yeah. it makes for some very funny, very cringeworthy, but very funny yeah. scenes. You know, yeah, it's um, fun- it's yeah. funnier. I know it is billed as a as a kind of black comedy or dark comedy, mm. but it's funnier than a lot of proper comedies I've seen lately. Mm, it, yeah, yeah the, the, the yeah. films that you know maybe like the kind of it's funnier than maybe kind of the the some of the comedies that even Jonah Hill's appeared in uh, like they're actually comedies. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, definitely funnier than some of the ones that he's appeared in. Yeah, <laughs> some of them been terrible, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a very funny film. Yeah, some people won't like the length, um, and it was quite interesting. I went to see this film at my local art cinema, um, which is. Every every time I go, I I took I had a I took a half day actually because I thought it's three hours. I'm I'm gonna take a half day and watch a Scorsese film in the cinema. Um, so I did and I got there and it was full of old people, <laughs> full of old people. And uh, the great thing, first up, up comes the certificate 18 title card 
uh, warning of very strong language, very strong sex, most, and scenes of hard drug most use. Most uses of the word fuck in any film in, in yes. like Hollywood history or something. Dramatic film. Yeah, yeah for over 500. Um, there's a documentary which has got nearly 1,000 in, which I think is about the word fuck. I think, and but, I think, um, I think the South Park episode probably bears as many in, in 25 minutes as... Yes. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is, you know, this 500 in a three hour film, uh, pretty impressive. So that comes up and I hear a few people around me go, oh, yeah, like genuinely shocked. And I'm thinking, what what did you think you were coming I, to I, see? I a... Do people not pay any attention to? And then people afterwards, um, going, oh, three hours, didn't know it was three hours. Was, did, again, did, did you not do, did you just literally walk up and go, I'll have a ticket to the next film that's on, please, I, and then go and sit? They could have walked into the wrong screening. My father-in-law did, went to see... The um, Railway Man was on at the same yeah. time, and I do, th- I, I think the people who came in 15 minutes after it started to drunk, a drunk old couple, who then started asking me what they'd missed in the first... Mm. Yeah, thanks for that, guys. Uh, stinking of booze. Well, I, I think they were meant to go in and watch The Railway Man, but they stayed for the whole film and laughed, so... Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I had something similar. There was, there was as well as like a... They must have been friends, but kind of uh, middle-aged plus women sat across from me who kind of, any time anyone was naked on screen or any time any drugs being done, kind of shifted uncomfortably. There was also kind of people who went like went to watch this with their parents and i Whoa. and i thought i thought all right you might enjoy this your parents might enjoy this but you don't want to watch it with them it's going to be awkward <laughs> it's going to yeah, be that. really awkward sat next to your mum or dad and there's all this shagging and drug taking going on i mean how you know it's like the stereotypical thing of like when you when you watching telly at home and a sex scene comes on it's awkward for everyone yeah. It's like that, but you can't get away from it. You can't. You can't, you can't yeah. get up and make a cup of tea, can you? <laughs> no, no, that's right. You've just got to hide down in the darkness and hope, and just try not to make eye contact afterwards with them. <laughs> no, is it? Um, but what's fantastic, actually, the the thing I love most about this film, in some ways, is it's the it's I think it's the third highest ever opening 18 certificate in this country, and uh, it's an independent film that made a really hard 18 film. And made it three hours long, and and people have gone to see it. And you know what, film industry, if if you make the right film, it doesn't matter if it's an 18. It doesn't matter if you make the right film, people will go and see it. Full stop. So let's stop being scared of the 18 certificate. Let's stop being scared of a film being too long. I'm I know I criticise films for being too long, but that's because they're they are too long. This film isn't too long. This film is three hours long. And it feels right. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. It's like a victory, isn't it? Seeing an mm. 18 long film, but getting lots of recognition and, yeah. uh, and lots of positive um, reviews. It's, yeah. It's like a little yeah. victory thinking, yes, finally, yeah. something that's, that's doing it. And that hopefully will inspire other filmmakers to, to stop restri- or producers even stop yeah. restricting um, the content of their films. That's self-censoring. I quite like, I paid six pound for my ticket. I paid four. Um, which... I paid four seventy five. Really? Yeah. You've got some dodgy student card. Or no, something. this was this was Empire. I was quite surprised oh, as well. That's nice. So you were even cheaper. I, I was I was thinking, wow, two pound an hour. I was happy with that because I paid twelve quid for uh, Gravity, which I loved, but worked out at eight pound an hour for my entertainment there. Whereas this was only two pound an hour for my entertainment. So I was. I, I was getting more bang for my buck. I was very happy with that. And then it got me out. I started doing a spreadsheet of films and how much, how, yeah. And you don't need to know any more about that. That's just sad. It is. Uh, but right. yeah. Uh, 
But no, I think it's brilliant that there is, yeah, this there's not a film like it out at the cinema at the moment, and and that's fantastic, and that should that should be celebrated. Yeah. Um, but it was it was very HBO though I felt, and I think that's yeah. reflected because of the the screenwriter whose name I forget, but he's the guy who did Boardwalk Terrence Empire. Winter. Terrence Winter, yeah, yeah, he did Boardwalk yeah. Empire and The Sopranos, so it's got that very. Uh, it's a word I know some it really annoys some people, but that grittiness to yeah. it, you know, it, it yeah. feels like. It is real. These are whole real people doing extraordinary yeah. things. So, yeah. yeah, I quite I quite like that about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And the fact is, you could I could see maybe the four or six hour cut or whatever they've got. Yeah. You could actually see that being chopped up into one hour. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like yeah. it, you could see it being a mini series. Mm. It, it wouldn't be out of place as a, an HBO mini series whatsoever. But. I feel kind of privileged that we get to. See, I, I, I'm just really happy that Scorsese is still doing something new and exciting. Um, it's brilliant to see. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this film. Yeah. Did we, did, yeah. we, did we get any kind of listener feedback on this? Yes, we did. And here comes the first. Um, well, let's say uh, Shawkey 1969, uh, Mike Shawcross. Uh, he said Wolf of Wall Street is great, but he thinks it's a film he liked for the wrong reasons: debauchery, rules, sex, drugs, and money. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, how oh dare? But, but there, probably, uh, there probably is a certain kind of person or personality who would actually be rooting for Jordan Belfort in this film. Yeah, I think Mike needs to go and uh, find a job at Bear Stearns or something <laughs> like that if he, yeah. if he was into that. Um, then uh, at the opposite end of the spectrum, at Pafster, uh, he said that Wolf of Wall Street was bloated. Uh, I know he wasn't a fan of it. I know a few other people were disappointed with it as well. Um, and just to, he also he gave us a quick roundup of his thoughts for the week, which was nice. Uh, he said in uh, he said Matthew McConaughey has been all good since the KFC face rape in Killer Joe, um, which yeah brings back memories I don't want to remember. Um, and also as he pointed out, we forgot to mention in the news section, Jackass presents Bad Grandpa has a an Oscar nomination. It's an Oscar nominated film. It received its nomination for best makeup and hairstyling uh for the old man bulls. Um I've still not seen Bad Grandpa. I kind of feel like I should do now that it's an Oscar nominated film. Um Matt liked and then it, though, fi- Matt, Matt did like it, yeah. yeah. And then finally at Stakeheed, uh Paul Fisher um, talking about Oscar noms, he thinks Alfonso Cuaron will win director. That's what I've put my money on as well. Um, and he also said that Edge of Four owes everything to love, actually. Uh, and it's difficult to argue with that as well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just leave yeah, it there. We won't go into that. <laughs> okay, um, so we'll have another break then, and then we'll be back with some recommendations for the upcoming week. So recommendations for next week, then I'm going to start off with television. Monday night, got two choices for you. Both start at the same time, both finish at the same time. And it's going to depend on what kind of film you're going to want to watch. If you're going to want to watch a film where you've had your first day back at work after the weekend and you just want to switch off, Five Star showing Bad Boys at nine o'clock. Michael Bay being good. Doesn't happen often yeah. to make the most of it. Or if you want a kind of film to immerse yourself in, uh, uh, you know, and, and have to think about a really intricate plot, 
Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from 2011 is on film four. I bloody love that film. Mm, um, following Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is uh, is a Shane Meadows film with a, I think it is with a with a title that intrigues me. Uh, Once upon a time in the Midlands. Mm. Um, yeah, I've seen that. It's decent. Yeah. So maybe maybe a double header on Monday night for you. But anyway, yes, that's me, Owen. Um, I'm going for TV recommendations as well. Um, and as soon as I saw it, I thought I've got to include that on the podcast. ITV4, they're having a Van Damme night on Friday. You've got Sudden Death, which is on at 9pm, wow. which if you've not seen it, is basically a knockoff of Die Hard set in an ice rink. Um, yeah. And then immediately after that is Hard Target, which is possibly <gasps> Van Damme's Hard best Target. film. Probably one of John Woo's best as well. So yeah. proper balls out action film. That's the one where he punches a snake. He punches in the a face, snake. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone knows the punching the snake. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, he uh, it, it stands on a motorbike that's moving and fires two guns at the same time as well. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Talking of Van Damme, I was I was flicking through some like I was trying to find like a a, a sci-fi film to watch on Netflix and one came up that I didn't watch because I just thought it's going to be so bad. But it's it's a it's a Van Van Damme's in it. Can't remember the name of it now, but like aliens invade Derby. UFO, a, yeah, UFO. Yeah. It's called. It's rubbish. And he's. <laughs> I watched that film for Van Damme, and it he went on for so fucking long, and he was in it for like five minutes, and I'm not even sure he was in the same room as the actors he was supposed to be. <laughs> I, I just kind of watched the first scene. I thought, oh, this is gonna be shit. I'm not watching this. Do they save him to the end as well? Is near the end, yeah. So you have to. Is it, is it like his daughter in it though, and that's probably why he turns up, or something like that? His stepdaughter, or something. I'm sure I read. Oh the... right, is it? <laughs> I did wonder why he was in it because it's a British film, like set in Essex or wherever it is. Derby. Uh, it's Derby. Oh, right. It's Derby. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, and he's the French uncle of one of the characters <laughs> who helps out with the alien invasion, helps them stop the aliens. It's just, just with a few rounds of kicks to the face. I hope. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, terrible. You did well um, to stop watching it, Steve. I just thought I can't. I just can't. This is gonna take an hour and a half of my life away. I just can't. Yeah, my wife's still not forgiving me because I made her watch it with me. I thought if I'm going down, she's going down with me, and uh, yeah, ruined the evening for both of us. Uh, James, your film is then. Okay, very quickly, I just want to mention uh, the Crazy Munchkin on the Football 365 forum where we kind of hang out now and again. Um, he's mentioned His recommendation is that The Act of Killing, the Oscar-nominated film, my favourite film from last year and one of our top two documentaries from last year on the podcast, The Act of Killing is now on US Netflix. It's the theatrical cut, but it's, um, it's a highly, highly recommended film. I'm going to go, I usually stick to DVD uh, and Blu-ray and I'm going to do the same this week. And just remind everyone that Rush is out on Blu-ray on Monday and I think it's very very worth a watch uh interesting as well uh the blu-ray is red and i don't think i've ever seen a blue uh, a red blu-ray case ever i've seen a few different colors you sure you've not but... managed to pick up like a a rat a rat yeah hdd yeah no i'm assuming that's why there's never been a red blu-ray before but that just symbolizes the defeat of hdd discs because there is now a red blu-ray um yeah, but um, we spoke about Daniel Brawl earlier in this. Chris Hemsworth, uh, also fantastic. It's, it's a great film. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So if you've not seen it yet, get your ass on that. 
Excellent. I think that's all for uh, for this week's um, podcast. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, reviews of uh, August Osage County, which is probably the biggest release that we'll be able to see next week, and um, maybe grudge match if me or Owen decide to go and watch it. <laughs> Or Inside uh, Lewin Davis, the new Coen Brothers film, which was also pretty much overlooked for every single Oscar uh, category. Just, I know that's annoyed some people. Yeah. So I'm going to try and I'm going to try and watch the arty folky film. Oh anyway. yeah, I'll definitely be seeing that one before the podcast. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to it actually. Will Will they definitely show it in your tiny little? I've checked. Room, but... It's on. Oh, yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed by that. And Jack also Ryan, Jack Ryan, yeah, that's also Shadow true. Recruit. Yeah, mm. uh, unless unless he's been recruited to replace Hank Marvin in the shadows, Cap- um, Captain Kirk Shadow Recruit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the poster for that. Yeah. I saw it. I saw the poster today on a bus stop. It mm. looks terrible. It is just the most generic action poster you've ever seen. Yeah, he's standing so, there with a gun. There's a motorbike. There's an exploding helicopter. And it's just. I, I'm I'm sure our listeners won't be too bothered if we don't get around to yeah. seeing it. But do you know what? If we find time, we will. Yeah, but yeah. Don't, um, don't and, hold and your probably breath. A, a, probably a review of Cutthroat Island. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's all for this week. I hope uh, thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed in any way to this podcast. And we'll be back at the same time next week. The Fail Critics Podcast was devised and produced by James Diamond, hosted by Steve Norman, with contributions from Owen Hughes and Jerry McCauley. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com and you can find us at failedcritics.com and on Twitter at at failedcritics.